This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Podcast, which focuses on playing Warmer 40k competitively at all levels of the game. I'm your host, Mr. Petey Pob, and with me I have a rare occurrence, a triple rainbow, if you will, the co-hosts from the original co-host Bonanza from a year ago. Triple rainbow, what does that even mean? No, man. What does it mean? (laughs) The Falcon, Ka-ka. Sean, is this guy, and the one, the only, Hafflefinger. Hey, Mr. Pablo, how are you, buddy? I'm good. So, if you notice, uh, my voice may be a little bit off. I, I am um, feeling sick, uh, though I don't know how sick I'm going to be in the future, but I feel it coming. I don't know why, but I think well, it's Nurgle, and Pablo, he got me. I've, I've always thought that you're sick. Mm, agreed. Mm. Sick. Anyways, this sick co-host and this sick podcast was brought to you by the brand new Frontline Gaming Network, Frontline Gaming, and of course, the amazing patrons on our Patreon. If you want to sign up, patrons get access to the Facebook group, our Discord, get to ask us questions at the end of every episode, and are eligible to win a special prize every month. This month, I'm giving away one hand finger-painted space marine character model to one of you lucky patrons get ready mm-hmm. my daughter and i we're gonna paint it up and it's itc legal i got it in from reese it's official three <laughs> colors it might not be three colors but you know because she can only count to two yeah i was gonna say pablo have you not taught your daughter a third color yet it is high time you know it she, she's having a hard time with the color green you know she hmm. can't she can't That's pronounce fair. it she can't say it She's got red and blue down, but green is tough. Well, so green is well, kind of a bullshit color. Like it's just blue, blue plus yellow, you guys. Yeah. It's, it's just yellow, you're good. Yeah, just yeah. no. Blello. Why didn't we call it that? That's no. true. Why didn't we name all things that way, honestly? Blue. <laughs> Bed. <laughs> okay, Bled. let's we're go. good. Anyways, moving on. So, uh if you if you're interested in having a two-color finger-painted space ring character or, um, where I, I imagine the more traditional pick, a tournament standard painted character model that doesn't necessarily have to be Imperium focused, sign up for our Patreon, patreon.com slash chapter tactics. Consider supporting the podcast. Another news our summer mat sale is still going on at Frontline Gaming. It is crazy. Mats are selling out, and it ends this weekend. So if you have been considering grabbing one of our lucky mats, head on over to frontlinegaming.org where you can pre order. The Space Marine Codex, 
and your mat. Boom. Mm -hmm. Boom. All right. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about the ETC, and we're also going to be talking about the new Space Frame Codex. Uh, So I'm not going to talk about the supplements because, uh, frankly, um, I know a lot about what's in the supplements already. Um, Beyond just the White Scars and the Ultramarines. Uh, well, it's, it's just, I get not a lot. It's just, you know, I've, I don't want to cross stats. I don't want to cross like, you know, rules and problems and that, and the supplements all haven't been released into the wild yet. So I don't know how everyone's going to react to them. So I want to make the supplements coverage a separate episode or a bonus episode uh, where we rank them and we talk about them individually. We can't talk um, about white scars though. Uh, we can talk a little bit about Ultramarines and White Scars, especially because there are some patron questions asking specifically about those two supplements. So we'll, mm-hmm. we will cover a little bit about it. But in terms of going in-depth, looking at all the Warlord traits, rules, kind of giving our takes on them, uh, this episode's not going to be for that. It's mostly going to be about the Codex. But don't worry, there is a ton of stuff in this Codex. If you were a Space Marine player before, first off, welcome to the world of Tier 1 competitive 40k play. Second <laughs> But off, is it S-Tier? Uh, well, I think it is, uh, and I think a lot of people I've talked to so far have looked at it, have said that it's S tier, close to S tier. Um, the general consensus I've heard from from my personal contacts and people I've talked to is that it's top three best codexes, arguably going to be the best codex, and will certainly warp the meta. But it's not Inari, so it's not a, the second coming of Inari. It's not going to get seventy percent win percentages lists. Um, it shouldn't. These are all projections and not actual facts. I so, mean, it, it's, it won't just because, you know, like 90% of Warhammer players own a Space Marine army. <laughs> 60% of uh, people will start playing them. And like of those 60%, 80% are really bad players. So when you do all that math, um, Space Marines will still somehow have like a 22% win rate when this is all said and done. But jokes on you, th- Peter. they'll be winning events. So J- Jokes on you, Peter. I only own a Granite's army. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not even like you can't just make up factions like that. There's no such thing. <laughs> is there such thing as a gray knight? Not anymore. Yeah, it's not. What's uh, what are you even talking about? I there's, that's crazy. There's an outspoken member of the Patreon chat who is just finding every like little drop of info that he's trying to wring out that he can possibly apply to gray knights, and it's adorable. Yeah, yeah I it's think true. I know who you're talking he's like, about. but guys, if I if I had this unit, I think I can go one in five at Nova. <laughs> oh, he'll show you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyways, if you're a Green Knight player and you're looking to get some tips from the Space Ring Codex to make your faction better, uh, welcome to the podcast. I'll see you next week. Um, it's it's not looking great for Green Knights still, but they did get something, and um, that's better than. I mean, Shock Assault is not terrible. Is not. It is not terrible. Um, but Space Marines in general did get a lot better. Uh, so we're going to talk about that, and then we're also going to talk about that ETC coverage. We're not going to go as in-depth, and we're not going to interview players like some of the more popular podcasts on the Frontline Gaming Network, mm. um, but we are going to react to the coverage. We're going to talk about the standings, talk about who won, uh, and generally have a good time talking about the ETC, because this year was very entertaining and very interesting. There's a, lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff there that I know you guys want to hear about. I'm just curious who Reese is going to get on Signals to talk about the ETC. He's going to get the old salty banana. <laughs> the old and, salty banana. And the salty banana. It's a European delicacy. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Banana plus the, nitrates. The spicy plantain. Mm. <clears throat> Anyways, it's just going to be Jason in various 
non-U.S. garb. Oh. Wearing a variety of comical hats. Yeah. I've, been, I've been waiting for uh, Signals to get a little cultural appropriation going. That'll be yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. It's an American tradition. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's go ahead and jump right into the EDC talk before we talk Space Marines. Uh, first and foremost, if you want to look at the pairings, if you want to look at the leaderboard, if you want to look at lists, all things ETC, go to tourneykeeper.net. That is their BCP. Uh, that is where you would go to look at the pairings. And if you, in the future, want to cover ETC events or watch ETC events or the ETC for next year, go to tourneykeeper.net, uh, unless they change it up, which we don't know if they will, they won't. But I imagine it's been so long already, they might as well keep it. All right. First and foremost, congratulations are in order. The UK team free agency period in the offseason paid off. Uh, they made the biggest free agent acquisition, and they got Nick Nadavati, and they took home the gold. Uh, what do you guys? What did you guys think when? So, so spoiler alert: the ETC team, US team, and the ETC UK team played each other in round three. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Round round three, uh, and Nick Nadavati, former member of the US team, last year's winning US team. Uh, was drafted onto the UK team. I don't mean literally drafted. I mean, they, they grabbed him, they recruited him because he didn't make the US team. Uh, and so there was definitely some early tournament drama going into the ETC uh, regarding that storyline. Um, and so when the U England and the US played each other in round three, all eyes were on that. Uh, what were your reactions when you found out that the US team lost to the England team? And then did you think that maybe Engl it was England's uh, a tournament to win after that? Uh, Val. Um, no, definitely did not think it was England's tournament to win. I was, um, I guess a lot like last year, I mean, I might be wrong about this, but I don't think England had won an ETC or at least it had been a very long time. Um, so, and I know it's a, it's a big deal, uh, obviously in the, uh, the home country of the game of Warhammer 40,000 for them to do well. And, uh, clearly they, they sort of went for it this year and uh, it was great to see them still staunchly in the mix. But I mean, at that point, uh, you still had some big heavy hitters uh, in the running and uh, some scrappy upstarts as well sitting at uh, at three and0 yeah yeah it, and uh, to this time um, team Australia had actually been doing really really well uh, with some really dominant performances uh, and the US team one one loss in in the ETC is, is not the end of, of your results right like no. no team perfect scored a perfect six and0 scored a perfect 12 points um and i believe last year i think the u.s team won with a loss yes um, in fact uh it's it's pretty frequent that um that you'll get at least one loss or a draw and still come out with the victory it's a it's a very tight competitive meta and very minute changes can completely like uh change how how your round goes so yeah so uh Peter, what do you think was one of the biggest surprises of the ETC for you covering it? Well, um, I think the biggest one, and it, and it wasn't just like a, it was it was a joyful surprise. Was the performance of Team Australia? Um, that to me was the like the big thing. Um, they went in. They ended up going. Uh, they ended up being undefeated going into the the final round. 
against England. Um, oh, and that's huge in and of itself to, to be four Oh and one. Um, and, uh, like, uh, Val said, scrappy upstarts, like, nobody really put, yeah, I don't think very many people put them to be, um, a contender. Um, like, like say England or Russia or the United States, uh, who are generally perennial. Um, same with like, uh, Sweden and Finland, Poland. Poland. Um, like those, those are the teams you usually hear about when they talk about like who's going to, uh, who's going to take it this year. Um, and so Australia coming in, um, get going, what, uh, yeah, going 4 and one huge and uh, couldn't happen to a better bunch of guys. Like their whole team was really solid. Um, unfortunately we didn't get that Nick versus Eric match, um, <laughs> that people were hoping for, for the, uh, tattoo, uh, bet to uh, get put <laughs> in play, but still like it was, um, that was the big thing for me was watching that progression of those guys. Right on. I okay. think, uh, for, for me personally, um, as he's my spirit animal, uh, Liam Hackett getting paired against Nick Nottavati was an even better thing because the Mega Knobs got to, uh, run roughshod all over the uh, Gene Steeler cult. So that was great. Uh, so, Sean, being the other resident American on the podcast, mm -hmm. uh, what did you think of Team U.S.'s performance um, covering it? I know, you, I know you didn't cover, you didn't follow it the entire weekend, um, but I, you obviously got the results. Uh, were you kind of surprised that they got sixth place? Um, they did go four and two, which is obviously better than the other team a bunch of the other teams um but what, what did you kind of think what was your reaction when you found out that the team yes us only got eight points only went four and two i don't think there's anything to be ashamed of there um i mean especially considering that the top team did not even go undefeated uh four and two is by no means a bad performance and uh you know like we said earlier there's so many factors that play into exactly how etc rolls out because not only do you have the lists and which lists you match up against but who you match up against and tables and all that other decision making process um so it's it's some incredibly complex calculus going on there and even fairly small mistakes can kind of like echo out into a pretty big result on the team um so with kind of all of that considered i think four two and sixth place out of a, a pretty big field is a very good performance by just about any measure you want to take. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. Um, I, I admit I was, I was rooting for them and I, you know, I, I really wanted them to win. Um, so I was a little disappointed at first, uh, but watching Adam Abramowitz, you know, talk about the team, talk about how proud he was of them, how hard they worked. Um, I definitely am proud of the U S team they put together this year. And yeah. uh, next year, you know, the there's only they have the potential to do just as well. And I just um, want to issue a very quick correction when you mentioned there that uh, they had one loss last year. I was like, did they though? And they didn't. They were undefeated last year. Yeah, I was gonna uh, say I kind of yeah. thought that like that was one of the the first times that we've seen an undefeated. I don't know if it's is it the and first time. It or? wasn't the first time. That also causes. Okay. I remember. I remember us causing some issues across the pond last year. That's why I wanted to correct it because we said it was thank you the Checking first time. Out. But it was not. I don't know yeah. what the first time was, uh, and I also can't tell you if England's ever won before. Yeah, Maybe I can but it, it, a six-zero victory is fairly unusual in ETC. Yes, yeah. Often, often there'd be a win or a draw. Um, sorry, a loss or a draw uh, for the winning team. We need a snooty, talking head, accented talking head in here to tell us all about the history of the ETC. 
including I mean, that would who, be the great. First, who the first two players were to be paired up against each other and play. Who was the first? Well, we've had we've had Tom Adriani on before, and I'm he sure he'd be gone. happy to drone on and on and on <laughs> about the history of the ETC. Could be arranged. But speaking of, uh, I am planning on having um, some ETC. Uh, Neil from the head judge of the ETC and some other ETC representatives on next week. They couldn't come on this week. Uh, they're doing something called traveling back home, huh. which um, 40k players. Uh, Wait, they all they're already in Europe. Where do they need to travel to? <laughs> yeah, that, like isn't <laughs> Europe just like a very small area about the size of a dime? Yeah, it's oh, just it's a walk than Texas. A, I know that small boat ride. Every, you know, yeah. half yeah. of them are rowing their boats. Across the Black Sea. To the... <laughs> I mean, one thing one thing we should mention about Team USA is they did have the only player uh, to have a perfect score at the yep. event. Yeah, Sean Sean yeah. Naden, and I think Sean Naden also last year. Yeah, he did because last year there were three players with a perfect score. Uh, mm-hmm. It was Sean Naden was one of them. Um, I remember that. But this year, Sean Naden also went undefeated, so he's currently in the TC tournament twelve and zero. And I don't remember how he did the previous year before last year. Um, but I imagine his record at the ETC is absolutely dominant and phenomenal. Um, and that's not, you know, I know some of you might think like, oh, it's team pairings. He's giving himself, you know, the easiest matchups like that. That is actually far from the truth. Um, Sean, a couple times got dealt some really, really hard matches. And to consistently perform at that level, you know, you don't always get your best perfect matchup. Sometimes you get out paired. Um, I, I think that speaks to him as a team captain and as a player. Uh, yeah. Though, you know, the, people are inevitably going to draw conclu- or draw comparisons to Nick Natavati, who did really well. And um, even though it was a team win for Team England, um, you have to consider, you know, Nick Natavati joining Team England as a factor for them winning um, and beating the U.S. team. So it'll be really interesting mm-hmm. to see where the ETC goes next year um, and where that narrative goes. Like, well, if will Nick come back to the U.S. team and will Sean Naden go to the U.K. team, the England team? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Just I mean, no man, Sean, Sean will play for like Argentina or something. He wouldn't just <laughs> do it like anything like that. <laughs> He'll That'd start be his way own more country. snowflake mood than that. <laughs> He'll but still, it's a big Venezuela. deal. He, he scored a twenty zero in all of his games. Like that's crazy. Mm-hmm. His his last twelve ETC games, including yeah. last year, is nuts. Um. Anyways, uh, I am the narrative. You know, behind the CTC, I, I think was, you know, a lot more compelling than last year's na- narrative. Um, last year, for me personally, uh, last year's narrative uh, was US won, woohoo! Um, but this year's ETC carried a lot of weight, um, just in terms of pre-ETC. You know, leading up to the event, there there was a, l- a little bit of a drama, and I don't use drama like like ah, oh, Karen said that so and so was you know not that kind of drama, but I mean like real gritty competitive tournament drama where you've got competitors, you know, storylines, compelling things. Yeah, it's, it's great. So uh, I really had a good time keeping up with the ETC coverage, uh, and I can looking forward to next year. Next year is going to be very, very interesting. Yeah, and I mean that last round, um, it was it it was extremely compelling just because of uh, all the possibilities, right? Um, England beats Australia, they win uh, with a two zero. Australia beats England two zero, they win. If England and Australia t- a tie, which almost happened, you have to understand like it was a basically Manny Chima rolling a six away from a draw between those two teams 
Um, then there's like three other teams that have a chance to win. Um, Russia would have, but, uh, Poland, um, Finland and the United States all had a really good chance to win if that, if those two teams draw. Um, and that matchup between England and Australia, like, uh, I want to say about an hour and a half in, England comes out and says, uh, they've had their first three scores submitted as 20 O's. Um, and then another score came in as a, I want to say it was a 13-7 or a 15-5. So they only needed six points to win uh, with the rest of their four matches. And so everyone was just like, the event's over. Um, and it came down to essentially the last minutes of the round um, because Australia turned it around. All of the matches that England thought they were going to win, Australia turned around on them. And it came down to Nick uh, versus uh, Liam Hackett and Nick needing to score any points um, and he was getting like steamrolled in that game. He barely pulled out the three points he needed to to basically give them the win. Like that's a, it was quite a compelling watch across the board. And yeah, if he doesn't it, get those three points, uh, England tie. doesn't win. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a tie because it's they only scored eighty eight points. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, just the ETC in general probably goes to Russia at that point. Yeah, well, that's what yes. I mean. Like they yeah. get a draw, Russia wins the event. Like it's it's uh it's huge. Like it was quite the quite the spectacle. I was really 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 enjoyed it uh all of it yeah so. it, and i really i really want to drive home and emphasize how good the australian team was this year um you, you know they only got fourth place um so they didn't make the top three um which means maybe people won't talk about them as much as they should but the australian team uh, no offense to our beautiful friends down down under down under pairings and whatnot but um they definitely were not in my favorites to win the whole thing and make the top five just because of how many good players there are in the ETC. So I would, you know, call them the definitely the underdog going into that finals match. Um, and I was a little, I was a little surprised to see them in the finals table. Um, obviously, they've got a lot of good players, so I wasn't that surprised. But uh, next year, I think Australia is definitely going to be a team that I w- will watch out for. Uh, I mean, and they have good players that didn't go. If, so if you uh, if you would have uh, pulled any country but Australia, I think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> There, there would be pretty much none of them that would have thought Australia would have come ahead. No, uh, but if you if you talk to say Adam and Josh, Adam was so stoked because like um, while there were really good players that they had, you know, obviously had to keep at home. Um, to Adam, this was the best team they've ever sent. Like usually, um, and you see this a lot with um, with us with uh, teams in the ETC, right? It's who can afford to actually go there. Um, and Australia yeah. being where it is, it's extremely hard for them to put a like an extremely competitive team together. Um, so this year to get Matt Morisoli, who was number one in, uh, in Australia last year, Eric Lathuris, who won CanCon, um, you know Adam, Liam Hackett, Hayden Waldock, uh, Ma- Jeremy Marigold, like it was a stacked team uh, from an Australian perspective. All these guys are like GT and major winners over there um, and have like consistent performances. So like it was really big kudos to them. Um, uh, to get a little off the Australia, uh, uh, you know, uh, cocksucking wagon here we're on. Um, the, uh, which, I mean, like, they're awesome. They're going to send me a shirt, so I can't say anything uh, bad about them. Um, I already did. Uh, Glasshammer ga- Gaming. Um, uh, kudos to them for putting on a really good show. Um, mm-hmm. They did a really good job um, with, I mean, you had to pay to watch it, but whatever, like, they also had to fly to Serbia, all that equipment, um, to, to put on that performance. And uh, they did a really good job keeping people up to date of uh, watching the game. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, if you paid them the three or five dollars or whatever it was, it, it, uh, I'm sure it was worth it. Yeah. And, and that's something that I've been 
I was, you know, probably one of my biggest complaints about ETC in years past uh, was the lack of coverage and the lack of willingness of people to go out there. And I understand it's really hard. I get it. Like, you know, you're flying to a country that, you know, may or may not, the hotel may or may not have the infrastructure to host a large streaming service and the coverage that you need. Um, but yeah, kudos to Glasshammer Gaming and kudos to all of the people who, who covered the event. I felt like this was probably the best covered ETC event that I'd personally tried to follow along. I was watching several Facebook Live photos. I, I did not tune into the Glasshammer Gaming uh, coverage, but I did hear from people saying that who were covering it. Um, and it was just generally the community, the internet community and the 4K community was abuzz with ETC stuff, which is great. That's exactly what we want. Um, and next year, I can't wait to see how we step it up in some way as a community. So I just want to hop in here with a little hot and fresh ETC trivia and history, because I've been uh, frantically throwing together a little uh, pivot table here. Uh, this only is only up till 2017, uh, so I mean, we'd have to add uh, this year and last year in here. But uh, to give you an idea of who the dominant countries in the ETC are concerned, uh, Germany has four first place wins. Poland has won twice. England has won in the past as well, back in 2012. So it has a uh, one first place finish for Warm 40k. The tournament goes all the way back to 2007. Was not com did not happen in 08, and then has happened every year since. Um, as far as total podium finishes, Poland is, from what I can tell, way out in the lead. Uh, in 2017, they had uh, let's see, 12. 14 plus I think one last year and this year so they're at around 16 podium placings so that would be well ahead of even uh, the likes of Germany who who podium 10 uh, 10 times and won it four times so Germany is the old uh, the old Yankees of uh, of this uh, this event <laughs> but they haven't uh, in the years that I've been following they haven't been the, the powerhouse last year they had all this plane trouble and anywho um, actually, yeah, no, it was the year that Russia won uh, two two years before that. Uh, like, like I think uh, two of the players from Germany couldn't make it. And anyway, I'm butchering the story, but there you go. There's a little bit of ETC dominance history for you guys. Yeah, and uh, Germany this year, I'm I'm surprised with the tenth place finish. Uh, they had Riot on their team. Riot, the company, League of Legends, <laughs> all of them, right? All the whole just, company backing them up. Brought, they just brought the whole the whole shebang. No, I'm sure that was a, a loophole in the rules that you're allowed <laughs> to name one entity as your for team member it's and companies have just, to pay taxes never come up like before. individuals. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're people according to U.S. law. So the whole company went out and man, I tell you, that board was crowded. <laughs> uh, anyways, um, one final thing. Uh, Russia scored the most battle points, 690, almost 700 battle points. Um, although England won. Uh, Russia did look like the most dominant team, um, just like last year. Last year, they were also very, very dominant. Um, so I'm interested to see Russia, Poland, uh, Denmark, people from, from those countries come out over to the ITC as the 40K community grows, right? Because, um, you know, Dmitry Sokolinsky and Stepan Zotov and Sam are not exactly household names over here in the ITC in the U.S., um, so I <laughs> just, uh, I'm really curious to see who Pew travels to what events. Um, and I really, I, this is a little bit of a challenge. Um, if you were on an ETC team, you should definitely come out to these Western tournaments and test your metal. What I, what I would not be surprised by is if we start seeing some, uh, some of the predominant German players appearing in ITC ranking. Um, yep. cause that, uh, that's been a really cool development. Uh, the ITC rules being translated German. 
that Germany has had its own sort of ITC circuit, um, which when I was sort of doing some reading on it last year, it runs like a it ran like a pure Maelstrom mission set, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and it was ranked, and you know it was it was it had n- a number of events and hundreds of players. Um, and, so, and yeah, some so of them do listen to our podcast because uh, they have asked me for stats information in the past. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Manuel Wickzorik, uh, which Wicherik, which I'm sorry, dude. Um, he he won uh, the Prague Open actually, so he does have ITC points, from what I understand. So like, there's a uh, yeah, there these are some names that you I would like to see more, like you guys said. Uh, another to kind of lay on this a little bit. Um, another community that I'm super excited to see uh, is the Spanish community. Yeah. Uh, in Spain, you know the the ETC was hosted in Spain last year. Uh, and La Voz de Horace, a podcast, Spanish podcast uh, that focuses on Warmer 40K, uh, they're hosting a 400-plus tournament player tournament in Spain. Um, and the more and more recent I talked about it, the more and more, more and I, he and I realized that a lot of 40K rules and a lot of 40K articles and media is geared towards English speakers, yet I believe Spanish is, is like number two most spoken language in the world, number two or number three. It's It's up there. Uh, you know, so that's a huge demographic demographic of people who can play 40k or probably very would get very very into it. Um, so Spanish speakers playing 40k, moving to the LVO, maybe making it more international. Um, they did really well at the ETC. Uh, they got sixth place, seventh place. Um, they were just three points under the US team, so went four and two. That's very respectable. I am just I'm really excited to see all of these international players and um, more international players traveling and uh, more, you know, more Western players traveling to the ETC or Europe as well, like the London GT as well. So it's great. It's, it's a melting pot. It's awesome. Yeah. And I mean, things like the ETC, I mean, uh, England, English is really the world's second language, right? So like, um, you know, things like the ETC are played. uh, The official language of the tournament is English. That's how it's, how it's done. And I would think that in a lot, of, I'd be really curious to know, because it's such a massive event in Spain, whether or not it will be um, run in Spanish or if uh, if it will be predominantly English. Likely, I would bet a mixture of both. Um, but uh, yeah, it's um, one thing that fascinates, fascinates me too is like we're an English speaking podcast and we Google everything in English, but there's a whole other world of Warhammer out there and, you know, people uh, mm-hmm. that don't, don't, uh, converse in those languages and I'd, I'd be curious to see you know what uh, what the discourse is like elsewhere yeah and and uh another cool thing is um i know that people are listening all over the world uh because you know in our libsyn you know podcast that where it shows like where where downloads what downloads are coming from where when it comes to the podcast uh and there are hundreds of people from countries that i didn't i never would have expected right so it's great um and i think you're right val it's it, I love it. I mean, South Africa had a hundred person G, uh, major. Well, it wasn't ITC, but they did a, a big event there like two weeks ago. I tried to get information on it. It was very hard to do. Um, like Val said, there are weird places you can go on the internet where the internet's not in English, and I've definitely ended up trudging through them trying to get <laughs> Warhammer data. And it is uh, Google Translate does not do it justice. So it gets uh, get you there though. So, uh, sometimes it's, it's, sometimes it's it gets a little a, sexual and then you're like, am I on the right website? <laughs> it's this? not quite a babblefish, but it's, it's getting there. That's yeah. how I, that's how I know about German Warhammer uh, circuits. It's nice mm-hmm. to translate. 
All right, so let's go ahead and move on to Space Marines. Are you all ready for this? No. I'm ready to return to 5th edition where every match is Space Marines versus Space Marines versus Space Marines. It's certainly going to feel that way, I think, in a month or two. Um, I've been trying to think of reasons why it shouldn't, but there's there's so much good in this book. For different Space Marine players of all colors, not just the top tier ones, but, you know, the narrative players uh, that I think we're going to see a huge resurgence of Space Marine players. Um, and, yeah, tough shit. They're, we're the largest faction <laughs> in the 40k here. It's, it's, tough it's shit, fact. guys. Suck so, it. You know, I'm, I'm sorry. I know I know Zeno's players um, are sick of seeing the 20th Primaris Lieutenant being released. And, yeah, I agree. It sucks. I'd love to see a new Lictor character. Literally anything other than Space Marines, um, you know, the like fact is, is one oh, model release for a yeah. faction other than Space Marines in the entirety I, of 8th edition would be yeah. nice. Yeah, Just like I mean, one. I agree with you. But uh, the fact is, is that this is going to be one of the largest releases that GW puts out. Um, and we're going to get a lot of Space Marine players, uh, both new and old. Mm. Um, and so, you know, if you're listening to this podcast and you want me to tell you that Space Marines are going to continue to suck and you're never going to see them again. Um, that's, you know, sorry. I would just like to mark this moment because this is, this is a moment of sort of open imagination. Uh, this is when Don Hoosen is, is like tenting his fingers, you know, Mitch is figuring things out. Like there's all these people, all those list creators out there just thinking, what are all the different combos? And then, you know, like three weeks from now, there'll be two or three builds that everyone's sort of, you know iterating on and that's essentially what the book will be but right now is the coolest moment because like everything is possible got, oh yeah pe- people are yeah. hyping up reaver squads and <laughs> look at this cool transport i can jump out of it you know like oh no zone of seven you know like there's all this stuff that's like super exciting and this is my favorite part of, of like a codex release and i think it'll it still really be cool. is i think this book will be like you know dark eldar even orcs to an extent and um and i'm sure some of the other ones where there are multiple builds that come out of it especially considering how many different armies essentially are being created now because of the supplemental books um, yeah this isn't one book this is like eight books yeah. yeah and then plus the the like weirdo chapters right like the blood angels dark angels and space wolves i assume they will get either a sub well maybe a 2.0 or some sort of a supplement well yeah i mean obviously they can't just do one space marine release they need to do at least 10 or 11 of them <clears throat> i just hope they're all just in a row so it's just like a band-aid just getting ripped off i mean you say that but like that's probably what's gonna happen i'm fine with it well so here i do want to give you a word before we jump into this i do want to give you space marine players and you players looking to play space marines one word of caution and that's this there's going to be a huge wave of army lists. Nova's coming very, very quickly, uh, along with other events coming at the end of the summer that uh, they're not going to be viable in a month. Uh, and the reason being is because the Ultramarines and White Scar supplement did get released with the Codex. However, the following week, there isn't going to be any supplements released, but there's still six supplements coming. And so I don't, I don't know for sure the release date because GW hasn't put it out yet. They only put it out to a certain point for retailers, and we're a retailer, um, but it doesn't look like there's any supplements on the horizon, and it, and it, there may not be all the supplements that come out before Nova, uh, before the Nova rules cut off. So it's very possible that we will see a competitive list, Space Marine list at Nova. Maybe it's Ultramarines or or whatever. Nova, but Nova becomes... is cut off. Oh right, so Nova's so thirty you... days. Okay, so so great. 
Um, but there's other events besides Nova. The point yeah. is that it's very possible that we will start to see really competitive space streaming lists on 40kstats.com or anything that completely become invalidated by an even better list from another supplement. Um, because the playtesters and and other people who ha- were in the know are screaming praises of some supplements that um, obviously haven't been released yet. And we don't know when they're going to get released. Mm-hmm. So word of caution before you buy stuff before you go out and buy stuff try to stick to units that clearly got better um and try to stick to units that aren't necessarily reliant on their supplement um if you're going to make the plunge and jump into space marines i will go one further than that i would say if you don't know exactly what you want you not just buy it because it's cool don't do anything do you know who you're talking to, Val? Do you know your audience? <laughs> the I, half hey, the listeners are on their way to the GW store right now. Put down the pipe. Put down that pipe. <laughs> Don't hit it. You got you got things to live for. I guarantee you the minute I said Space Marine, half of them slammed on their brakes, cut through seven lanes, made a U-turn, and went speeding off to their local Games Workshop store. And just reflexively just... pulling out credit cards <laughs> anytime they hear the word marine. Pavlonian. It's like, we're going down to the marine aquarium. What? Who? Huh? <laughs> Gene Sear cult models flying out of their trunk. Mm-hmm. It's, it's you know. Anyways, uh, there's... Uh, um, I, I do agree, though. If you What is a Space without... Marine player's other whip? Because, like, I feel like every orc player has a Tau army for some reason. Like what's what is it that like the Space Marine players just play every like every other army? No, it's there... the okay. other way around. It's every forty k player has a Space Marine. Oh, I was okay. gonna say the usually the Space Marine player's second army is another Space Marine army. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, what? And, and then it's the that. third is a Gilliman. <laughs> yeah. So it's a second Space Marine army and then a Gilliman to add on yeah. to the other two. I, I can't count how many people. It's like what armies do you play? Well, I play Space Marines, Blood Angels, Dark Angels. I have a few guard, but they're mostly a supplement to my Grey Knights. It's like <laughs> you just said the same word four times. Yeah. This is going to be like Revenge of the Nerds, isn't it? Like the Space Marine mm-hmm. players just come kick sand in our faces immediately. Well, only a few of them. There are some really terrible Space Marine players out there, and they're not going to figure this shit out. Like, they're going to come in there with their custom chapter, and they're going to be like, I took plus one leadership and minus one leadership. And you're going to be like, what? What? <laughs> Let me tell like, you what they're going to do. They're going to And, I, and he's like, this, this list is 30 Reavers with grapnel launchers and, yeah, and 16 drop pods. Yep. And you just be like, okay, <laughs> what does that do? Fucking nothing. The skill cap <laughs> is definitely gonna gonna drop a little bit. I'm just saying, you know. Yeah. Like, like the oh, yeah. fingers of the world are probably gonna do better with Space Marines today than they would have, you know. There's yeah. gonna be a lot of people bringing out those old tactical squads um, in drop pods. They're gonna null deploy. Someone's gonna null deploy. It's gonna be a thing. You're gonna just have somebody running like 15 drop pods. There's a hot topic, Pablo. Hmm. Why don't you kick that one off? All right, so let, let's let's go ahead. I was going to talk about the Angels of Death roll, but let's go into drop pods first. That you know is You're the host. one of the you, big ones. You do ones. what you want. Let's let's just do drop pods real quick because there's also a joke in there. Um, yes, they do ignore the tactical reserves rule, and that includes it's a big giant two paragraph rule in the FAQ, and that includes everything. So they can you can have a full drop pod army as long as all the units are in your drop pod. You can null deploy. And come down turn one or turn seven, if you want to. <laughs> uh, um, though, oh, uh, right, because they get to ignore that part of it. So too. they get to ignore everything. The reserve, the the half your points in reserve and half not all. They ignore all of it so far. It, it rules is written as it looks to me. Um, I'm not saying that's the way it is. Um, also, uh, 
for those of you screaming at the ICC to FAQ that or fix that, there's a ton of you. I'm going to go on record right now and say, um, just like, don't. What is it? <laughs> FAQ? Don't do just, that. Just GW FAQ. Well, the ITC doesn't do that anymore. We don't write rules that you know. We don't I, really do that much anymore. I'm gonna say. Um, I'm, I'm just gonna suspect. I'm just gonna suspect that they're gonna change it so that it's they can just come in on the first turn, not that they ignore the entire tactical reserves just, rule. Listen, do you yeah, know but that, even coming you know in on the thing? first turn is really strong. it's huge. It's awesome. I would love that actually. I, well, it's I, not awesome when you like get walled into your deployment zone with it. And they fixed the door issue again for the kids Did at they? home. The do- <laughs> no, they they better. No, no, they have. No, yeah, no, they have because that's the real problem. The door, the door issue did not actually get fixed. No, the door no. issue is very. The door issue got like brought. They cut pasted it from the seventh edition FAQ. They, they made it. Yeah. They made it worse before they made it better. And then they're like, I don't know. Um, <laughs> why, why can't they just say they don't count as part of the model? I'm really because okay with so drop cinematic. pods dropping turn six. By the way, guys, I'm yep. just not okay with it ignoring. Tech, like the tact, 50% tactical reserve rule and a bunch of other stuff. You know, but, but why not, though? I, I desperately want to walk up to a table at Delvio one day, and a Space Room player lines up with his 12 draw pods, all beautifully painted in Blood Angels colors, but they're actually blood scars, because Blood Angels don't have that rule yet. <laughs> and then he's going to wait till turn two, and then his opponent's going to be like, I win. And he goes, well, why? because you lose at the end of your player turn if you don't have anything on the board. That's fair. So I want to see one person null deploy, skip their player turn, skip their first turn, and then have the opponent be like, okay, I win. Congratulations. It's going to happen at least once. Or someone plays, a, like they go up into a unit, a guy running like just infiltrators and uh, stormbirds or something stupid, and turn one, they're like, okay, you go first. And you guys, okay, I'm just going to deploy my infiltrator so I cover the whole board. And then fly my two flyers into your deployment zone, and now you can't drop anything. What I really want to see, what's probably actually going to happen is is you're going to have one Imperial Fist player play with the giant Primaris Grav Tank, Forge World Grav Tank. Or it's yeah, got to be an Ultramarines players, because Ultramarines players are the worst of the Space Marine players. I am an Ultramarines player, I can say that. It's okay. He's going to sit there with his Tigerius model, give it minus one to hit, and then the rest of his army is going to be reserved. And he's going to look at his opponent and go, well, good luck killing this giant grav tank. His opponent's going to laugh at it and double Castellan, kill it. It's going to blow up, do six mortal wounds to Tigarius, and he's going to lose that way. I love all of this. Let's keep let's keep it's coming great. up with these ideas instead of talking about the codex. Let's... <laughs> all right, all right. Let's, let's <laughs> Dude, go how on, dare you? This is a fun podcast. Throw your weight around on 40K status Center and getting me to move on. No, not here, pal. <laughs> we are going to get mired. In needless banter, in digressions, it's, it's like just it. what we do. All right, angels of death. Roll. So, guys, b- sorry. Before we go on, since we're gonna do this, I'm gonna do it too. We we opened this podcast before it op- before it started. Pablo said, "I don't have a lot of time, guys, to record, so we got to get this through quick." Three hours later, we're we're at 45, <laughs> 43 minutes right now, Peter. Been quality content. Shut your mouth. That is that is a lightning fast chapter tactics episode. I agree. By the I way, agree. that is we're we're about a third of the way through. So. <laughs> okay, what are we what are we talking about next? All right, let's, angels let's... of death roll. Let's start at the beginning. Uh, for the angels of death roll, for those of you who don't know, um, it is an all encompassing rule for all adeptus astartes units listed in the codex. Uh, it's and they shall know no fear, which is what it was before. The bolter discipline rule 
finalized and completed out of the FAQ. The shock assault rule, which is if you're charged, make a charge move or perform a heroic intervention, you add one to the tap to an attack characteristics of the unit that that happened to. And then finally, the combat doctrines, uh, which are doctrines basically. Um, there's three of them. There's the devastator doctrine, the tactical doctrine, and the assault doctrine. Uh, and as I read it, as I understand it, that does mean that <clears throat> that does mean that any unit with the Angels of Death rule does get access to combat doctrines because it is listed under the following abilities: Angels of Death. So, cool. Uh, so, what gets Angels of Death? Is it everything in the Space Marine Codex and Dark Angels and Space Wolves, or is it just the Space Marine Codex? Okay, so um, obviously it's everything in the chapter. Uh, you cannot choose Blood Angels, Dark Angels, Death Watch, Grey Knights, Legion of Damned, or Space Wolves keywords when nominating which chapter unit is from. Um, and then that's it. So it, it doesn't say anything about the any of the, those units having the Angels of Death rule in okay. the Codex itself. Just everything in the Codex. Am, but you am, know, I, you am did... I mistaken in saying that it's actually tied to a keyword? <clears throat> so Angels of Death is tied to a keyword. It yeah. is the Angels of Death keyword... And then they throw a bunch of smaller sub keywords onto the Angels of Death keyword. Well, it's to it's, make it even it's more not a keyword; clearer. it's an ability. That's yeah, a it, big difference. It, it's mm. uh, an ability. You're right. It is not a keyword. Okay. It's it's uh, it's a, an ability in the text. Anyways. So to bring up one other thing before we move on, um, Forge World units do not have this ability, correct? Not right yes. currently. Yeah. Not okay. currently. So uh, GW said that they were going to give it to other power armor in a warmer community article. I don't know if, if I don't know when they're or how they're going to announce that, but if you just had the codex raw, nothing else in a vacuum, um, it would only work for the Space Marine Codex chapters. So it'll be either a day one fac, which we've seen a handful of times, or in the two week fac. I would just yeah, they, they might just fac all bit. of them at once. Yeah, the day one yeah. fac. <clears throat> Anyways, the doctrines, uh, they, they are you at the beginning of your turn, um, at the start of the battle, Devastator Doctrine is active. That always happens. Uh, and then you can change it at the start of each battle round after the first. So the Devastator Doctrine is armor penetration characteristic of heavy and grenade weapons. Uh, all the models um, with that ability are it's improved by one. So heavy weapons get additional AP. Tactical Doctrines, uh, rapid fire weapons and assault weapons get additional AP. Uh, and then the Assault Doctrine, it's pistols and melee weapons get additional AP. Um, and, that, and that's it. And there's no way to go back to a doctrine so you start in the devastator doctrine always and then next turn turn to tactical doctrine and then finally turn three is the assault doctrine so um, I've, I've been hearing a lot of people saying this but then um i've listened to a review for ultramarines and also a detailed review of, of the space marines and both have stratagems that allow you to manipulate that yes yes so, adaptive strategy for one cp you can change yeah. one yeah so yeah. they let you they they allow you to go back however so far i will tell you right now so far there's no way to get to the assault doctrine faster okay as far as is printed rules right now so don't I, I know you're looking for it don't worry they already tried um and the the reason why i bring that up and why that's so important is because a lot there's a lot of really good strategies around the doctrines in the supplement books which makes armies that that favor the uh devastator doctrine more appealing than armies that favor the assault doctrine because the armies that favor the assault doctrine don't actually get their buffs until turn three because you can't move to the assault doctrine until turn three so far um you know the supplements obviously get to will come out and shake things up but that's just to just to give you guys an idea armies that start that 
benefit from the Devastator Doctrine do get a little bit of an edge or an advantage because turn one immediately without any CP or anything, they will be able to start make, taking advantage of what their army does. You know, uh, you know what does really well on turn three is uh, a bunch of dudes chilling in a drop pod. <laughs> and true. on that note, guys, I must uh, bow out of this fine podcast. Love to you all. Val, he's going off to record Stat Center. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> He doesn't record. You know he just clones you, Peter, right? Mm, that makes sense. He the, just puts me on for no other reason. Yeah, just prestiges him every time. Yep. Yep. All right. Um, so uh, I'm not going to go over the on the line by line on the units. Um, I will do a quick unit rundown of point differentials. So what units got nerfed, what units got buffed. Um, there's some general point in- decreases across the board for HQ choices. Uh, for example, the apothecary went down five points. The captain and Phobos armor and the cap and the librarian and Phobos armor both went down significantly. The librarian went down by ten points, and the captain went down by twenty points, which is pretty cool. Uh, the captain with the jump pack, or AKA the smash captain, got absolutely smashed with a nerf. Uh, Thunderhammers are now forty points for characters, uh, and mm. the jump pack captain got increased by two points. So it's now minimum one hundred and thirty-five points for a smash captain or a captain with a jump pack and the thunder hammer. And then if you want to throw a storm shield on there, cool, but don't make it the shield eternal because the shield eternal also got nerfed. So uh, GW did nerf that one thing, although there's a lot more buffs than nerfs. Want uh, some models to uh, keep an eye on. Uh, Centurion assault squad is, are now 30 points a model before upgrades. And after upgrades, they go to it's about a hundred or about sixty points a model, maybe a little less less than that. Um, which, for a unit of three, brings them to around one hundred seventy points, which is actually really cheap, considering Centurions got one wound, a plus one wound, and Assault Centurions in particular got plus one attack when they charge, and they also got plus one attack. So on the charge, they have thirteen in strength, ten AP, bajillion, four damage attacks. Yeah, AP uh, on the charge. Four. Yeah, yeah, AP four. Um, so, which is crazy, right? So, Assault Centurions got cheaper, uh, and they got better. So, um, Assault Centurions, I'm not saying you're gonna see them, but, um... <clears throat> yeah, they're might. still pretty slow, but, I mean, there's ways to speed that up now, too. The White Scars can give them, uh, bonuses to advance, um, and charge, and then also be able to charge. Uh, Chaplains now have a movement bonus, although it doesn't stack with anything. It is another way you can get them up the board quicker. Mm-hmm. So, uh, maybe... Um, Land Raiders got 20 points cheaper. Uh, oh, that'll people make might difference. take them. <laughs> no, they won't. They, they do get chapter tactics now. So your Land Raiders can now, your Ultramarines Land Raiders can now fall back and shoot at minus one. Um, but you're probably right. They're, they're still pretty expensive. Uh, Land Speeders got pretty cheaper. Um, another unit that I want to point out to that we're definitely going to see a lot of is, uh, the... Primaris Aggressors. So <clears throat> the Aggressors didn't get... They, they stayed the same points cost, um, but they just got a lot of buffs um, because they, they shoot so well mm-hmm. already with the Bolter rules and everything. Um, so they didn't get points increases or decreases, although I believe some of their weapons got low. Yeah, the Flamestorm. The Flamestorm. Uh, the flame version mm-hmm. went down two points. So they did get a oh, little cheaper. Right. The Flamestorm can- Gauntlets went down by one point? Two, I believe. Two, one point, two, two points. Doesn't yeah. matter. The flamestorm gauntlet went down by a small amount. Um, the one very few people used, so it's yeah. not a good thing. They might start using them now if you want to go with like a, some weird custom, I guess. But anyway, yeah. So uh, don't 
so any i would maybe put all preconceived you know perceptions about space marines aside uh when you're looking at this book because there's a lot of random little changes in here little tiny points adjustments uh changes to stratagems that you you might necessarily not see if you if you played space marines before and you mm-hmm. assume things happen for example the kill shot stratagem is gone it's not oh, in the codex at all which is, which is surprising because it, it doesn't make any sense as there wasn't a particularly amazing overused stratagem yeah. that needed to get removed completely from the codex it w- um, i wouldn't call it overused but it was certainly good i have seen and lost to uh the you know predators with guillemin and kill shot uh, right when you you roll that whole thing together that's actually a lot of damage coming in mm-hmm. right but but why like remove it wholesale uh, because the effect it does is incredibly powerful. Plus one and damage it was, and plus one to wound is huge. And it didn't feel good to either side, I think, um, if you built a list around it, right? Because you lose one predator and you could no longer do it after they uh, implemented the rule of three. Um, so that kind of sucked. And yeah. then uh, on the other side, if you're on the receiving end of it, um, if you can't kill that predator turn one, um, it's a lot. it was a lot of damage. Like, Maybe that's I, fair. Um, I, I go first, I get to kill everything. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> although in, in that case, I don't know why, maybe why you don't like nerf it or change it in some way. Uh, it's just it, removing it wholesale from the codex just doesn't seem to be something that GW does. Well, yeah, because yeah. there are other more interesting stratagems to put right. in. in That's, that is true. They did they did add, you know, a hundred more stratagems after you include the supplements. So, yeah, because right. <laughs> one of the problems the early books especially suffered from was having a dozen or more stratagems that each applied to one unit in the codex, which is bad design, because mm-hmm. that means most players don't get to use those stratagems ever. Yeah. And not only that, but like there was a lot of copy paste. A lot of them were very boring. Yeah. Um, so now um, just looking at the ones uh, from just the base book, they've 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 really uh, gone a, a step up. Um, I mean, there's still a bunch of them that are like intercessor only, um, but that's a troop choice. So it's not like that's that's not something like anybody's going to want to bring. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. So and several of those are stolen from the specialist detachments, so. which is interesting. Yeah, I was surprised by that. Uh, the tactical marines went down by one point, so it's now 60 points for a unit of five instead of 65. Uh, they're getting closer and closer to scouts, but still oh so far away. Uh, but, you know, so if you if you want to maybe start running tactical marines, I don't know if, it's, for you guys, is 60 points, five points more than the scout squad, isn't that now worth it, maybe considering taking them? Uh, nope. For a min troop choice? The problem with tactical marines is not their point cost. You know, unless you make them five points. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, but... there is a point cost at which they are good, obviously. Any unit has a point cost like that. Yeah. Um, but the problem is they don't do something that most space marine unit, most space marine lists need. Um, and they are not really distinct from most other units in the book. Right. All right. Um... <clears throat> Uh, one other thing I wanted to point out was grav cannons and grav amps. So uh, the Bane of 7th mm-hmm. edition took a big backseat to basically every other heavy heavy weapon um, in the Codex. But uh, grav cannons did go down by 8 points. And that's the grav cannon and grav amp uh, that the Centurions get as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and they got a stratagem that lets you reroll failed wound rolls for grav, which is actually huge 
because of Fail another wounds and damage also. Yeah, it's both. also damage too. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's uh, it's really solid. Uh, I know a number of people that are you know giving it that uh, that squinty eye. Like, man, where on that shelf did I keep all those grav dudes? Uh, <laughs> Let me yeah. tell you, you, sold them to me, and they're on eBay right now. Yeah, right. <laughs> It's, I'm not sure if it's enough to bring them to the table, but reroll, reroll wounds is very strong. Um, the the trouble is finding a unit that can take good advantage of it. Yeah. Uh, because, like, you could do it with, like, a squad of Devastators, but then they're only going to ever get to use it once and then they die. You can do it with Centurions, but they're pretty expensive, even with the point drops. So I don't know if there's anything there, but it is it is something to keep in mind. Like, it's one more thing that is like, well, that got improved and it might be worth it. Yeah, it's just another one of those things where, with the new book, it's going to take a few weeks for people to, you know, feel it out, test it out, maybe a month. Um, but it is it is something you should look at. Just like, like Reavers going down another two points, so now they're the mm. cheapest Primaris model. Um, and they do have some synergies with White Scars and a couple others. So, like, there is potential there. I don't think they're competitive, but they're fun. You can do some fun things now with them. They get, like, five attacks on the charge. Um, so they're not terrible like they used to be. They're not, like, just absolutely vomit-worthy. Right. Um, but I don't know. You can make them into bad intercessors by giving them the the carbine and and kind of like pretending that you're you're playing with a troop unit. Yeah, um, I was looking at them with the combat blades and white scars, so you can double move them uh, with the plus two to advance and charge. Yeah, um, and then. Uh, and the Phobos uh, Librarian, so you can potentially get, like, a 26-inch move and then still charge, yep. um, right. which w would be hilarious, um, but, um, you know, Chaos does that better, so... Yeah, that's what GW wants you to do with them, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another unit I want to highlight is the Sternguard. So Sternguard, their special bol issue bolt guns went from 2 points each to 0 points each, mm -hmm. which brings uh, Sternguard down to 14 points a model, which is what Space Marine Tactical Marines were originally before um eighth edition seventh edition so it's now 70 points for five stern guard uh and there are <clears throat> being you know being the fact that they can go and drop pods uh they they're really cheap they can take a bunch of different weapon loadouts uh, and they can take advantage of the heavy the devastator doctrine or the tactical doctrine if they need to uh they are definitely a unit to look out for um I don't know what people can do with them or what people are going to do with them yet, but they have the potential to be a really amazing Swiss Army unit uh, that comes down turn one and blows something up or does something. Because they're so cheap, too. Did they lose their plus one to wound stratagem, or do they still have that? Uh, I believe they still have it, but let me let okay. me go ahead and triple check that, because I don't know for sure. I don't know if they have it anymore. Um, they gave that to... I know chaplains now have that as like a just a thing they can give yeah. out. So Yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's a litany that gives... Is plus one to wound against the closest target with shooting? Yep. Yes. Yeah. As yeah. long as you're shooting the closest target, you get plus one. I don't one know wound. if the uh, old uh, Stern Guard uh, plus one to wound is is still around. It would be pretty amusing if you could combine the two of those, and it's just like, yeah, yeah, wounding wounding knights on fours. What about it? Yep. <laughs> uh, they did replace it with uh, Primaris Intercess is getting a lot of stratagems and buffs kind of randomly in the codex and i don't know how they're gonna because th there's a veteran intercessor space marine stratagem in yep. the codex but there's also the vigilist defiant book which makes your veteran intercessors veteran intercessors gives them that keyword yeah so does that was... stack because it i don't, I don't know, know if they're different names or not because that's right. the key thing 
Yeah, because it's this like they also um uh I believe all of the intercessor strats from that Indominus Crusader um detachment are now just strats in the Space Marine book. Yep. So mm-hmm. uh, and you don't need them to be veterans to use them yep. any longer. Yeah, so so it's another thing where it's like, well, what's what's the point of that thing anymore, I guess other than getting to pop another chapter tactic on your guys once per game. Well, they also um, if they did stack you would be able to get plus two attacks to your strength yeah. intercessors. Yeah, which, well, which not is only that. Hopefully, not yeah. the case. Um, uh, yeah, that'd be a little silly. Yep. Uh, so starting, so they do actually still have the plus one to wound strat. Oh, cool. In, okay. in, the, co- in the codex. So, yeah, yeah. It's a marks masterful marksmanship or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so they do still get the plus one to wound uh, with a crimson fists or not with crimson with uh, imperial fists. The old imperial fists, anyways. That would have been really good. Um, considering their points decrease, but who knows? Um, and then finally, uh, one last thing I wanted to highlight was the dreadnoughts, uh, dreadnought chain fists. And basically dreadnoughts in general went down a little more points on the melee ones. So the ironclad is now looking kind of, kind of maybe potentially awesome. Um, and then, uh, that's pretty much everything other than that. If basically if a unit was really, really bad and untakeable for it got a points decrease, but there were a lot of points decreases. So that's it for the points. Also, Gilliman got nerfed. Yes. I know the internet is probably ablaze with, you know, the lamentations of ultramarines players. I love it. <laughs> he did go it. down in points again though. He, yes, he, he did. He went down 50 points. Yeah. 350 yeah. instead of 400. Uh, and then his sword his got nerfed, but his fist got buffed, I believe as well. Oh, really? Uh, not like big nerfs. I believe it's just oh. like a slight change. What did they um, change on the sword? I could not tell you for life. Oh, okay. I just remember I seeing seen it and, and noting movie. it in my mind and then being like, okay, continue. Huh. Uh, because I don't play Ultramarines. So. <laughs> um, yeah. it, it, as far as I read, his sword didn't change, though it might have it might have been like a, a less one less strength or something weird. Yeah, um, yeah like it, I, I, I want to say it was a small change, but, you know, also, I could be wrong. Like I said, I don't play Ultramarines a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't his fist lose the minus one to hit, though, on it, or is that still there? His fist is no... So his fist... Um, I don't think his fist ever had the minus one to hit, but uh, yeah, it, it did get so. buffed. It got... It, it still stayed the same strength, um, doubled his strength, but it does four damage now flat. Oh, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, that was the change. Yeah, yeah, big. so... Oh, yeah, it's it's makes it so you, you might want to consider taking it, whereas previously before it was D6 damage, I think, um, and you pretty much always just wanted to take the sword. Well, the mortal wounds were The mortal wounds thing good. is pretty, Yes, but four damage is a lot more appealing now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, anyways, uh, on to chapter tactics. Uh, every single one got better, because they just added more rules to every single chapter tactic. Um, Do ultramarines stay the same? Uh, they get the. Um, they do actually stay the same. I guess that's yeah. Fair. They're they, the only ones. I mean, they are the only the ones who. They all got not. better in that vehicles now can use them. So yeah, that's, so that's the and that's one. big for the ultramarines one, as they were probably the one that like wanted that on vehicles. Although more it than anybody. does ironically make the repulsor worse. Yeah, that's true. Uh, because the repulsor, <laughs> oh, yeah. when it falls back, now takes a minus one penalty. Yeah, but did the repulsor also uh, go up thirty points? It did yep. go up. So it did go up thirty yeah. points. So now the execution and the repulsor are the same base cost minus the weapons. Okay, right. Oh. Um, the but yeah, all the one. other tactics got significant. Well, okay, yeah. Raven Guard has sort of got worse. It's a bit of a side grade. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. Um, Ra- Raven Guard are are they got worse and 
I, I wouldn't even call it side. I'd still call it a nerf a little bit because minus one to hit is is. I guess. Big, yeah, I thought I was thinking the they gained something else, but no. Now it just has the it's cover or minus one if you're already in cover. Yeah, for and the their vehicles, infantry only. Their vehicles don't get minus one to hit. It's not it's not infantry only because bikes and stuff yeah. go, still count. Sorry, yes, but okay. but if you're a vehicle and you're fully on terrain, you don't get the minus one to hit for being Raven Guard. Right. So just, just remember that. Uh, but those vehicles can just sit out in the open now and get cover. Yep. Yeah, two up is pretty nice. Yeah, the the big winners I think are Salamanders, Crimson Fists, Iron Hands, uh, and then um, yeah. m- maybe White Scars because of their supplement. But but Salamanders and I think Iron Hands are the two big winners. Uh, Sal- Iron Hands Overwatch on a five or a six. Yeah. To hit, yeah. And then they obviously still get the feel no pain, the six up feel no pain, uh, and then their vehicles are considered double for the amount of wounds for their damage table. Uh, and then Salamanders are, you still get the reroll um, when you fire Overwatch and you're chosen to shoot or fight. Uh, and then you also get to ignore AP1's um, AP1 weapons against you, which is, if you're playing against Space Marines, really big because those Doctrines all give you plus one AP. So all oh. those AP1 bolters are useless against salamanders and just in general like ap1 is a very good tool for killing infantry a lot of cases really and good. getting to ignore that is absolutely <clears throat> huge i mean yeah. ludas are ap1 yep yep so now you're if you're in cover you're Halverins. getting still a two plus yes. yeah halverins yep. like, yeah yeah there's, there's a, a ton lot of ap1 weapons out there salamanders were arguably the best chapter tactic already and then they got another ability which is arguably the best chapter tactic so they are extremely powerful yeah and uh i cannot say anything else the supplement uh, i cannot wait for the supplements for all of these (laughs) chapter tactics um the successor chapter tactics so i don't know if if you or peter had a chance to look through all of these i have yeah most Um, of them so i am personally in the opinion that there isn't a combination on here that's better than what you get out of the first founding chapters. Um, and I know I know that GW has intentionally made things like this a little worse um, for fear of breaking the game, which which is fair. Mm-hmm. It's, um, yeah. So these do feel a little watered down, but I wanted to hear your opinions first. There are several very good ones in here. Um, I think if you are kind of like taking a weird little detachment or a very specialized army that, you know, wants to do particular things, then there are potentially some very solid options. Like, I can easily see someone taking a, like, two or three drop pod detachment uh, and using the plus three inch range on weapons. Uh, which does apply to flamers to basically bring in some squads of like quad or quintuple flamers to clear out infantry. Um, mm-hmm. Because having a detachment like that is relatively cheap with all the points drops and everything um, for the order of like four to five hundred points. Um, you could very easily get yourself a, a strong infantry clearing detachment um, and then, you know, use whatever else you want for your your main detachment of other stuff. Uh, but as an army, I think I kind of agree that, like, they aren't super strong, although there are a couple of interesting ones that you can't get from the basic chapters. Um, I don't know, were there any that stood out to you guys or... Well, I agree 100%. I mean, the plus three inch range was the one like everyone jumped on online yeah. immediately. Because like, there's like that obvious flamers. Right. It lets uh, flamers hit, which is huge. Yeah. Um, 
Knowledge is power. I mean, Blood yeah. Ravens already get it, but that's a really good ability um, to combo with something else if you if you're not interested in the um, only being wounded on uh, uh, three pluses. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see some stuff for Hungry for Battle if you're like a like really into it. But that plus was one to the advance other and one charge. That grabbed my attention is you take that and maybe like charge the turn you fall back or something like that. Um, yeah. yeah, and you potentially well. have a, you know, plus three to charge, advance and charge, all this kind of nonsense. Yeah, I think you can make a pretty aggressive. And But like Sean said, I don't think you build an entire army around this, like, successor chapter competitively. This is for, like, you take, like, a vanguard squad of, like, a librarian or a chaplain and three vanguard, three units of vanguard vets or something. Yeah. Um, and then you have, like, a really good screen clear Um or, you know, you wait till turn three and drop them down, and now their chain swords are AP minus one, two damage each. And, yeah. you know, they they have like a seven or a six inch charge. Um, stuff like that is, there's definite, there's definite play there, but um, I don't think you build 2,000 points worth out of anything here. Yeah. So, Probably one, not, yeah. one that I think everyone's not looking at that's actually really, really, really good uh, is Duelist. So, Duelist is, is for an infantry mm-hmm. or biker unit only. Um, but when you make a, an unmodified hit roll of a six, you automatically score a hit and successfully wound. Yeah. So so when you go into like a, with like a unit of prime uh, veteran intercessors or intercessors going into a knight, if you get plus one attack, you get three attacks, four for the sergeant, and then you get plus one attack on the charge going to four attacks or five for the sergeant. For a unit of ten, that's 41 attacks going into a knight. Um, all of those hits automatically wound. Uh, I thought it was the reverse. It only works against infantry. When and resolving an attack made with a melee weapon by a model with this tactic, against, against, oh, against an infantry or fighter. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. So, I mean, you can make a really good screen clear out of that. Like, same idea as with the advance and charge. You know, you take a squad of five vanguard vets with double chain sword, and they're yeah. getting twenty five attacks on the charge, mm-hmm. um, and then all sixes are you know auto wounding, and or you go with whirlwind of rage, and they're getting an additional hit yep. on all sixes. Um, uh, you can't so. you can't take whirlwind of rage and duelists. No, yeah, you, you can't, can't take, take both, both, but you could take either one, and yep. like you could math out which one is going to be more efficient for a given squad. Like whirlwind of rage with hungry for battle on a, like a, and I keep using Vanguard bits cause they just get so many attacks for so cheap. Yeah. Um, like that's a, that's, that's legit play. That's you're, you're, you know, getting a, at least an eight inch charge off the deep strike, probably rerolling something. Um, with a chaplain and, even better. Yeah. And yeah. now you're, when you hit something, like if, if it's any kind of screen, anybody's putting out, you're probably murdering the, frag out of it like it's just going to be super dead um like that's a that's a really good combo um yeah yeah vanguard veterans dropping in a drop pod turn one with double chain swords um with a chaplain um is was something we we talked about immediately as like a screen clearer uh or or maybe even a wrap you can wrap something because you know they're not they're ap zero attacks um, mm-hmm. So if you want, you can wrap one unit, swing everything into another, uh, and then all of a sudden you've got a Vanguard veteran unit that can mess up your opponent. Yeah. Which is very interesting. There's there's a lot of little things like that that, uh, like Val said earlier, I, I can't wait to see what the top players um, do with. Yeah, so, yeah the, I'm just... Go sorry, go, go ahead. Go ahead, guys. Uh, I was just going to say, the six-inch heroic intervention um, mm-hmm. is also potentially worthwhile. Like, it is just worse than... 
Space Wolves in that sense, but the access to all of the other toys that you can get in the Space Marine book uh, potentially opens that up as something useful. Yep. All right. So Warlord Traits. Uh, it's not... There's not that much different here in the Warlord Traits. You still get the... Uh, re-roll the morale test and then the the your character your character gets better at killing things in close combat sometimes you know yeah it seemed like the the warlord traits were generally like they tried to bring them up a notch but didn't fundamentally rewrite anything mm-hmm. yeah I, there's not much i can say about them i found that they were kind of mostly meh yeah they're still they're still not exciting but Several of them are fine. Um, you know, the ultramarine trait gives you command points back. That's still good. Yeah. Uh, one thing I do like, um, I don't know if it was in the Phobos one, was target priority. Uh, so yep. you can pick a Phobos yeah, unit, a Phobos. and then you add plus one to their hit roll. It's not Phobos unit. It's any unit within three within it's a, an inch. It's a chapter requires... Phobos unit. Oh, did they change it? Warlord. Yeah. Well, okay, okay, so because it used to be any unit in the uh, oh, well, in the Vanguard better. book, yeah. So yeah, so they nerfed it then, because that that's how people were pulling off that big uh, Siegebreaker cohort combo and with uh, some lists was they were giving it plus one to hit with the uh, with like a Phobos uh, librarian or that's a lieutenant, mm-hmm. and uh, then they were exploding on you know fours or or fives uh, with their um, bolter drill. Yeah, it's it's still pretty good on in- infiltrators, even though infiltrators are really expensive. Um, because I think they wound automatically on sixes to hit. Um, unmodified sixes. Unmodified, Oh, is yeah. it unmodified? Well, then never mind then. Yeah. It's um, only good on the eliminators, the snipers. I mean, um, it's still fine on other things to just add plus one. Like, plus one is good. There are lots of things with penalties to hit, and it it's a very nice thing to be able to have as an option. And the new infiltrators, the whatever they call them, it, it, like Inferminators or whatever oh, yeah. begins with IN, um, the ones that ignore all hit penalties. Yeah, uh, that's not terrible. To you know, now you have guys hitting on two pluses, um, and uh, I don't know if they can take it. I know the infiltrators can. The new um, sergeant upgrade, where instead of being an apothecary, uh, they always get the captain and lieutenant buffs if there's one on the field, even if they're not within six. I believe that's only for infiltrators. But Boo, GW. Yeah. If you're going to go in, go all the way. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. what, I have a complaint. Uh, looking, And I know you're going to get to it, but the relics, why did they make another pistol? We'll we'll talk about the relics. They're, they're not next. Pistols. The so anyway, let's GW is let's, rock okay, hard sorry. for pistols. They just they want it to work so bad. Uh, anyway. well, well, the warlord trait I think that everyone should keep an eye on is the Raven Guard one. They ignore Overwatch one. Um, it can yeah. be really devastating. You know, uh, you can make your budget Blood people. Angels guy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, all right. Stratagems. There are actually uh, quite a bit of really good stratagems that I, I want to talk about. Um, the first one is on the first page: suppression fire. So you Ooh, get to yeah. so so this one is you get to uh, when you shoot a whirlwind or thunderfire cannon model and so that's whirlwind in bold thunderfire cannon in bold um, you get to choose that to shoot that model an additional time this phase so the the reason why the whirlwind keyword is important is because the whirlwind scorpius the relic whirlwind scorpius mm-hmm. does have the whirlwind bold keyword in its keywords. Mm-hmm. And it is used so so raw. The whirlwind Scorpius and the other, the whirlwind Hi- Helios or Hyperius or whatever it's called in Forge World do get to shoot an additional time with the stratagem. It is two CP, which is which is 
fair. <clears throat> but it's not like the kill shot stratagem where the kill shot stratagem didn't have a predator in bold. It was just predator, right? So it was just the yeah. named thing predator, which there's a difference there. I don't know if it was intentional. I don't know if GW wanted the bold keyword or not. I, I don't. I don't know. But one cool combo you can do with suppression fire is you can take a thunderfire cannon. You can shoot it with. You can give it tremor shells so that it has the move advance and charge rolls of one unit. And then with suppression fire, you can raw have the move and advance and charge rolls of two units with that one thunderfire cannon. Can you? Yeah. It's, so I, I don't actually know what the wording on suppression. I'll, on I'll, thunder, I'll read it to you just because just I think that's important. I think it's important to get these things right. So Tremor Shell is this, use the stratagem at the start of your shooting phase. Select one, th- one Thunderfire Cannon model from your army until the end of that phase. When resolving an attack made by that model, subtract one from uh, the wound okay. roll. But if it hit is scored, um, having everything as long as it's not fly or titanic. Right. Uh, and then suppression fire is um, if the model has not moved this turn, is chosen to shoot and is chosen to shoot with. Uh, you can choose that model to shoot with an additional time that phase. Can it fire at different targets? Um, well, when it does, it can only shoot with weapons that that can target units that are not visible to the bearer. So yes, but you can only shoot with your barrage weapons. But mm. it doesn't matter. So you can't shoot your yeah. whirlwind storm bolter again. Sorry, right. guys. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, yeah, that is shutting down two units like that, and then potentially a third if you brought a guard detachment along, uh, is is pretty strong. Well, um, you can do like Reese's little silly shenanigan game even better now because didn't uh, like Phobos have this yep, and White Scars have one, and did Ultramarines <clears throat> get one too in their librarian? Like, there's just like everybody uh, yeah, seems to just be like, like let's everyone, have movement, everybody. Yeah, everyone gets access to the power that does it because it's a Phobos power. Yeah. yeah, but not, like the there White Scars an have an additional one. one. Yeah. Yes. And I believe Ultramarines have one, but it doesn't stack. Like there's I'm one that stacks sure. and one that doesn't. Anyway, you can one, do some shenanigans. Yeah. Yes, with the world with the whirlwind strat. Um, and it, if you really want to be mean, you also have that Custodes character, Jeff's favorite stratagem, yep. with mm. the the tangle foot grenade. Mm-hmm. So you could just yeah. be like, "No, you are definitely not getting to me." Yeah, everything in your army is at a one inch movement right now, and I'm gonna tangle foot one of you guys just to be a dick. <laughs> um, uh, one other thing uh, is honor the chapter is now an Adeptus Astartes unit and not an infantry or bike unit, so you oh. can double attack with Gilliman. Uh, whereas previously okay. you couldn't. Yeah. Uh, and you so can I can double attack, attack with, with my Raider. Land Raider? Yep. yep. Yeah. Pablo, you and I were on the same wavelength right now, yep. and that has never happened. Other than happened. that one time in San Francisco with say, that crossing than, guard. I was going to say, other than it's happened every other time, Peter. Oh, it's true. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, other than that, um, the, there's a bunch of veteran intercessor like stuff. Basically everything from the Phobos book, Rapid Fire, Bolt Storm, um, you know, etc., the Hellfire shells are still in here. Uh, <clears throat> there, there's also uh, relics of the chapter. It doesn't say that you can't use it more than once. They'll FAQ that. I mean, technically, yeah, there's that, already oh, an FAQ for that. That's so. a weird one. Yeah, that yeah. is a weird one. Yeah. Um, uh, Fury of did, the First. Sorry, oh, I, was gonna, I was just going to tacking on to relics of the chapter. Uh, Space Marines also gain Hero of the chapter, mm. one CP for an extra Warlord trait, which seems to be a thing they're handing out a lot more now. Yeah, so that's Ultramarines that get that, I think. Ooh, the oh, ones no, I have right seen no, is just you generic. Yeah. So, so, so with the Ultramarines one, uh, they also get one. Oh, um, okay. But I think it's the same model gets two Warlord traits. 
Oh, okay. No. Interesting. Whereas this one is, Hero of the Chapter is, I think, two separate models get Warlord traits. Yeah. yeah another yeah. character. Um, and then uh, all these supplements, I think, should have the, your, your, a successor chapter character gets, like, a relic in your arm or something like that. Anyways, they've got a bunch of little random things like that to, to give characters and stuff relics and whatnot or Warlord okay. traits. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I was bringing up Fury of the First, uh, one CP for plus one to hit for all Terminators. It's pretty good. That was an interesting one. I I wonder if that's actually going to be enough to make some of the Terminators see play here. Just I think there's some interesting combos with it um, because uh, there's another one to ignore penalties to hit, I believe, for somebody. I want to say ultramarines. Yes. But, uh, uh, so, you know, you can take, uh, you can do that kind of Wolfguard combi plasma shenanigans maybe with some, or I don't know. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, Stormbolter sitting on twos uh, with rapid fire all the time at full range is not terrible. Yeah. That's, it's definitely and, a lot of DACA. And on turn two, which is normally when you're going to drop them, um, they're AP minus one Stormbolters. So, yep. yep. So, uh, Skyfire is a really good, interesting stratagem that, that I've been looking at as well. Uh, it's when you shoot with a hunter or stalker model from your army, um, you can only target units that fly, uh, but those already have bonuses to units that fly anyways. Uh, and they get add one to their hits and wound rolls against that unit, or when they shoot, uh, and then they also double the damage roll, on, or double the damage inflicted on a six from that model. Yeah. Um, so that can really, put, especially with the Stalker, which is randomly T8 um, with a bunch of attacks <laughs> hitting kind of flyers kind of well. Um, the plus one wound means you're hitting wounding most flyers on threes instead of fours now. Uh, and then it's four, I think it's four damage a, a, on a six. Yeah, and then if base you, two. Yep. And then if you have the Devastator Doctrine, those are AP two instead of AP one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It might make that thing usable. It's just it was so narrow and not good at its job before that it struggled a lot. Even when all the Eldar flyers have been really dominant, it's still been kind of like, well, it's not actually good at killing them. Yeah, I mean that's that's fair. Um, <clears throat> it's but like it's seen a bunch of rules upgrades. It got that strat. I'm guessing it saw another point decrease because it was <laughs> significantly more than it let's needed see, to let's be. Find out. Uh, Stalker is still 75 points, so it's it's like a I think like a 90 point model after the the iron whatever they're called. Oh yeah, Icarus Storm cannons. cannons. So it's yeah. so it's it's a 95 points for them. Uh, okay. Yeah little more than i'd like to pay but eh, maybe yeah the the big one i think one of the big winners um and i keep referring to, to intercessors because i think they're like one of the biggest winners coming out yeah. of this codex and they were already come out really, really good well uh, first off you can use any of the like the target side or any of the phobos ca- um uh what do you call them stratagems there you go the vigilous ones yeah the vigilous yeah vigilous the shadow spear stratagems the phobos stratagems you can use any of those now without taking the 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 code the detachment, which is awesome. But also their steady advance, which is a really good strategy by itself, but extra good on the the primary intercessors because of all mm-hmm. the buffs they get naturally. Right. That's an infantry unit uh, gets to benefit from the bolter discipline ability, even if they had moved. Yeah, specifically they they get to double tap at full range essentially. Yes. 
yeah, uh, so when moving. I actually, <clears throat> the thing I like on them, because, like, I mean, obviously the, the rapid-fire guns with going up to rapid-fire 2, double-tapping at long range, AP 2 if you're, you know, sitting still on turn 2 or later and all that, like, all that is really good, but I actually really like the... Uh, stalker bolt rifles yep. now because mm -hmm. not only did they go up a damage so they're now damage two um but you know they benefit from the uh devastator doctrine starting on that first turn so they're mm -hmm. hitting with ap3 and strength four ap3 damage two is no joke for stats um and there is a three CP stratagem that lets you target characters with them and do mortal wounds on sixes. Yep, so turns you can sniper rifles. yeah, you can turn them into sniper rifles and sniper rifles with a pretty good stat line because most sniper rifles are AP zero and damage one. They're yep. relying on those mortal wounds, but it's like when you have a squad of ten multi damage high AP snipers, that starts getting scary. <laughs> They're also thirty inch range, so um... I think it's. 36, 36 for the 36. Stalker. Well, yeah. 39 36. if you if you take the... Yeah. Then there's no one's going to take that for that. <laughs> it's, it's so weird that the long-range thing is best on flamers and pretty lackluster on other guys. Yeah, like, we're masterful marksmen. Beware as we charge in masterfully with our flamers. Yes. Precision flamethrower fire. <laughs> no yeah. one aims a sweeping 30-foot gout of flame like we do. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a big deal though. There's a, there's a lot of cool little things for that. I also really like skilled writers. Um, if you need, that one's a, nice. If you have like a, uh, I know they don't really exist, but if you have like a hard hitting bike unit or a unit that wants to get in your opponent's face quickly, you can give a three up invuln for two CP, which which is quick, helpful. Quick question. Um, skill does it give the invuln against shooting only, or is it? shooting and range against attacks made with range weapons. that's what i figured yeah, yeah. it's not it's not uh, the... but yeah four up four up invuln if you move three up if you advance on a biker land speeder is not terrible yep. um you can get just a unit of kind of like generic bikes uh that you can you know you load up on all your bolters and storm bolters and all that and just kind of drive them around the field shooting wildly like a bunch of cowboys and mm -hmm. that's pretty reasonable yeah yeah, uh, and then uh, one I really like that Brees kind of told me was not good, which if Brees is telling me something isn't good or okay, There's, I, it's do, I don't believe really that. Brees thinks everything is good. Right, right. That's what I thought. Anyways, so transhuman physiology is is one of my. I favorites. was actually going to mention that. I like that one. Uh, so I like it too. Brees was like, "Eh, it's not that good against a bunch of different things." I'm like, Brees, Caladius grab tanks shooting mm. at a unit of centurions or aggressors that are T4. All okay. of a sudden, they're wounding on fours. Okay. So and so let's like be a little bit oh, clear yeah, for our listeners yeah. here. So, so it's two CP. When do you activate it? That's the part so I was. You not activated clear on. it when you become when you're chosen as a target for an attack. Okay, so it is reactive. That makes it a yes, lot better. So yeah, it good. means wound rolls of one to three always fail against you. That's yeah. big. Irrespective That's of any abilities that the weapon or the model making that attack may have, or modifiers period. or anything else. Yeah, anything. Just like yeah unmodified wind roll of one to three always fails yep no i really like that i mean um a knight comes in to stomp on your face and you're just and like re completely change the math on that like. yeah it's yep. and especially on like a big block of intercessors who are sitting in cover uh like we we constantly mention intercessors but they are one of the biggest winners out of this codex i think yes. um is just like having those guys suddenly be like oh yeah your your caladius or your earth shaker or whatever wounds me on fours now um 
makes it so they're just they're not going to go down. And I think Reese does have a point in that th this is a bad stratagem to just sort of be like popping off randomly. But when you have a unit on an objective that it's like, oh, if you hold that objective, you get the bonus point this turn and I don't get hold more. So I got to clear you off it. That can make a huge difference. Yeah, it is situationally amazing. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and that's kind of how I like my stratagems to be anyways. <laughs> I, I think that's a, a solid kind of model for how things can potentially work. And I do think, like, stratagems should probably be that way. I would almost like it if all stratagems were situationally amazing. Like, I felt that was the original point of them. Mm. And now there are some that are just like, well, I need to use it every turn until I run out of CP. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> all right. Um, and, then, and then finally, uh, one that might be controversial. Uh, the Space Marines get a uh, stratagem in Vengeance of the Machine Spirit, which I like oh, from a yeah. fluff perspective. So this is if a Land Raider, Repulsor, or Storm Raven dies... Um, you can either automatically explode, oh, okay. so you do not roll a d6, you just automatically blow up, which is actually pretty good, because mm. those models all blow up hard. Uh, or um, you can fire a, one of your ranged weapons, or make one attack with one of your melee weapons. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Gotta get that, that one grinding tread in there. Just, but, I'm but gonna hit on a six. But for this attack, you're being treated as being on the top row of your damage table instead of the bottom row. Yeah. So you fire at full ballistic skill. It's cute. It's the the blowing up automatically is potentially good. Yes. Um, I have seen lots of times when night players or Nurgle players or whatnot will use the, you know, better explosion. Mm -hmm. um, because if you are in the middle of an enemy formation or if you've got, like, an important character or something nearby who's already wounded, um, an automatic explosion can be very big. We, we've all had that moment where, like, something blows up and you're like, oh, shit. Like, I gotta re-roll that, because if it blows up now, I'm in trouble. Um, and this is a case where you can kind of force that to happen. So, that's potentially good, but the fact that you can only use it on Land Raiders, Repulsors, and Storm Ravens is gonna limit its application a lot. One one thing, and, and the readers, the listeners will get this faster than I will, because I don't have the book on me, um, is there are, like, 20 billion... Forge World Land Raiders with different loadouts. Yeah, but and they're it, bad. Well, hold on, hold on. It wouldn't surprise because they did a lot of them did get points decreases. I know because I own a Land Raider Achilles, and I've been watching that thing go down in points for a while now. Yeah, now but, it's only like three ninety five, yeah, right? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Anyways, the point is, is is the is that Forge World likes to throw in a lot of random little nonsense things that don't make any sense. So it wouldn't surprise me if one Land Raider blew up like two d six inches. And did like six mortal wounds or something, you know, like something that made their explodes better than the average land raider. Um, you know, maybe it's a land raider with like gas tanks or I don't know. But the the, the point is, is that um, I would maybe I would maybe look through the Forge World Codex, not just for this stuff, but for any of these rules and just check keywords and see what potentially broken Forge World things people have, can find. That's Pablo, like, but let me, you... let me shoot you down here. Your your plan that you're discussing here is contingent on taking the most expensive model in your army and then having it die. Yes, right into your opponent's line. Okay, alright, just want to be clear on that. Yeah, but I mean, it makes sense. If, but if, I mean, in general, it's always a good idea to, uh, when you get a new codex like this, go look at Forge World because uh, somebody <laughs> screwed up something. Absolutely. And you just gotta, you gotta find it and uh, try to be the that's, first. That's the way it works, yeah, unfortunately. There's, a, there's an Iron Hands character who gives plus one strength on bolters in Forge World, just like 
randomly. Uh, with Iron Hands not being terrible now, that guy has some potential. Oh, wait, you're, you're being serious? I was like, wow. No, that's a this... real thing, yeah. Oh, my yeah, God. Uh, Mitch pointed it out to me. Valen Call, he's a... I think so, yeah. He's a chapter master and a tech marine at the same time. Oh, wow. That's His Thunder cool. Hammer also doesn't suffer a minus one penalty to hit in close combat, uh, but it is D3 damage. However, if you do any hits with it, it causes a mortal wound to the opponent. It's actually... He's actually not terrible. I think he's 200 points, though, so you're yeah, paying through the nose. He's pricey, but if you're building, like, a bolter drill kind of army, then he has some potential. Yeah, I mean, he also has a two-up save and probably... An yeah, he's a two-up armor and a four-up uh, invuln, and uh, he, he's also toughness five yeah. or six. I think he... Like, he's, uh, yeah, he's interesting. Yeah. I have a friend that plays him. I have a... I custom-made a model early on in the edition okay. for nice. him, just because I thought maybe it would be cool. Um, and then, you know, Iron Hands turned out to not be great. So, yeah. Yep. So, uh, <clears throat> as for relics, um, they're... The ones that were already in there are largely the same, uh, and the new relics, I, I didn't see anything that stood out to me, but I'll let you two take, kind of take over for that. Um, I think, personally, the best relic is the Teeth of Terra, um, because of what you can do with characters for it. Um, Teeth but, of Terra is still really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, I think, I, I, don't know if, I don't know if it got buffed, but it, you make three additional attacks with it instead of... I think D3 is what it was before. It was D3 before. Yeah, so it was good flat then. Three. So, yeah. Um, but the Shield Eternal and the Standard of the Emperor Ascendant, two common yeah. mainstays of the Space Marine Codex the last two years, got completely nerfed um, with the Standard of the Emperor Ascendant being, hold on, minus one leadership to enemy units within nine inches of the Standard Bearer. Watch out. Mm. I mean, it did that before, I believe, just no one ever remembered that, because that was never why you took it. Uh, oh, but... I'm so sorry. The standard of the Emperor Ascendance, you add three inches to the range of your banner ability. Yeah, yeah it's, it's no it, longer it, it plus used to one be to, six. Stand, to the fight before you die. Now yeah. it just increases well, the radius the, of your The standard of the Emperor Ascendance was, was on a three plus, you fight again, or you shoot again. Yeah, right. and now it's on a four plus because that's what like all those banners do. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's now nine inches instead of six. Yep. So yeah. But yeah, it's it's uh it was a definite nerf. I actually don't mind the shield because the shield eternal got a five uh, got a five plus feel no pain on it, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of the half. Instead damage. of the half yeah. damage. Which... So in some situations it's better. Yeah. Um, yes. Against small arms fire, but against you know what you usually used it for, which was to put it on like a um, harder to kill smash captain. Yeah, it's it is worse. It's well, and it's. It's pretty close, because if you think about the, the typical, like, situation that guy is going to run into, where he's facing down, like, an enemy Thunderhammer, um, having that Thunderhammer's damage mm. dropped it from 3 to 2, a 5-up feel-no-pain will typically drop each hit from that Thunderhammer from 3 to 2. Um, yep. So, it is generally going to be about the same... In specific instances, it may be a little bit better or worse, because if there's that D6 damage weapon, it has a lot more effect on that, whereas, you know, the small arms fire, like you mentioned, it's obviously it gives you something instead of nothing, so it's better there. Um, I think the shield is still a very solid pick. Most factions would be happy to have it, and I think you'll still see people regularly take it. I agree. Yeah. um... Um... the burning blade also, I think, gained a strength, a damage, and a was strength it a damage? Too. Okay. Yeah, it's still AP five, so uh, two damage yeah. instead of one. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's pretty good. Strength seven, AP five, damage two is a pretty solid stat line. 
It's not yes. like amazing, but um, it's also one of the ones that is a little less limited than some of the others. So, yep. Um, yeah, we already mentioned the relic pistol, which <sighs> I mean, it's not good, but it's not it's not bad enough to be comically bad. It's just sort of another relic pistol. Uh, yep. You're not gonna take like it. But I wonder how many, like, is it pistol six? Is that where you need to go? Pistol I eight? I mean, like, when does it become like, man, I'm going to well, take this pistol. And here's the it, problem. It becomes, man, I'm going to take this pistol when you can shoot a guard squad with it and they don't run away. Or, no. you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, if you could turn one of your Marines into a Keller Morph, then I guess it becomes good. <laughs> right, because the problem with pistols is, the, is that they are very short range, so you don't typically get to use them. And when you do get to use them, you're in a situation where you actually often don't want to because they will pull casualties from the front and make your charge longer. Or, um, or your character will die if he gets that close. So you gotta run that too. Way. I mean, yeah. you know, you want you typically want clear characters getting into close combat at some point, but um, it it's sort of like the the pistol's utility is so limited that you don't get to apply it most turns of the game. Mm -hmm. So it has to have a pretty unbelievable stat line in order to be interesting or effective. Yep. Um, with the Keller Morph being the obvious counterexample because of his ability to just like pop up out of nowhere and kill enemy characters yeah um, and also space marines double his shots like <laughs> yeah. well yes there's a lot of reasons why the keller Morph <laughs> is great um, um one relic i do like that that um i would i will definitely try to run at least once is hmm. lament so lament is the master crafted stalker bolt rifle oh, um yeah. so that's i believe the one the phobos captains get or some some yes, something gets the, it but the phobos captain and luke Lieutenant get it? I believe I think it's just the captain. I think it the lieutenant be. gets a slightly different they, one. They, anyway. they have like they every one of them has their own unique gun that no, is the, exactly the, the same as the others. The captain mm. gets the mastercrafted instigator bolt uh, carbine. The Primaris captain gets the mastercrafted stalker bolt rifle. Okay. There we go. D doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> one of the so Primaris captains. Um but it's a strength five, it's one shot, thirty six inch range, heavy one. It's strength five, AP two, three damage flat, mm -hmm. and then if it would inflict a successful wound, you, it just one mortal wound automatically. So it's essentially four damage instead of three damage. And I, at, at a thirty-six inch range gun. Sorry, could you? What, it, if it would inflict a successful wound, if it, it so yeah, if when resolving an attack made with this weapon, a successful wound inflicts one mortal wound. In addition to any other okay. damage. Okay, that's better. The original way you said it, it was like, it. it why have a damage? Because it just always does a mortal wound. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's... if you successfully roll a wound roll with it, then it will inflict a mortal wound. That's pretty good. Yeah, so, yeah, four, so four it's damage. pretty much always pushing through one damage, which that guarantee is nice. Yeah, it mm -hmm. can't target characters out of line of sight, or it can't target characters... Um, I guess it could with the stratagem, maybe. I'd, I'd have to look at that stratagem. Uh, Stalker bolt. Yeah, I don't know if it's veteran intercessors or not. It's kind of weird. Well, you wouldn't want to pay three CP for one guy to be able to target, anyways. The fact that uh, it can't target characters is unfortunate. Yeah, but Stalker bolt rifles never were able to target characters. They're just well, like no, but it's a relic version, so 
It would have been uh, kind of cool know. if could. Yeah, you're, you're huh. right. Play the game, Pablo. <laughs> That's um, Send an email awkward. to GW. I yep. guess it's okay at just sort of like sniping vehicles and stuff but that's that's a lot less good than i would have thought because it since it can't target characters yeah Yeah. um and then finally uh the the uh space marine the uh psychic powers um not much changed when i was looking through it well Uh, little there's little small changes rarious discipline didn't change much no but i mean there was a big change null zone going down to seven um makes it yeah you know, that much more reliable, given that it used to just be like a, unless you were running Tigurius, it was like, well, you know, a long shot here. Let's see if I can keep you from doing bad things to me. Um, so, yeah, like a, going off on a seven, especially with access now to Blood Ravens or just the custom mm-hmm. to uh, reroll ones, um, it makes it a pretty, uh, like, a relative, I shouldn't say easy, but uh, like much easier to get off, yeah. like an achievable thing. Um so that's that's really big for Marines to get around um, invuln saves, which was uh, definitely something they they could struggle with. Yep. Uh, and then... Um, and didn't one of the others changed um, for the better as well? They, I feel like they all got small improvements in places. Yeah, there's um... there, there's nothing too crazy. Um, the obscuration discipline is still, I think, much better than the Librarian's discipline. I agree. It uh, is. It's just more limited in its targets. That's kind of the the idea behind it. Is yeah. It has really good powers that don't work on as many things. Yeah, yeah. I think the the best ones are the ones that don't that aren't limited, like the the ones that don't have to target Phobos models. Yeah, like no. Tenebrous Curse is amazing. It's yeah. Still super powerful. Uh, mind raid. Mind raid. Yeah. For one mortal, one command point potentially plus a mortal wound, and then hallucination yep. for minus one. It's just like well. And the interesting good. thing with Mind Raid is before Space Marines not only, like, kind of had a glut of command points, but also didn't really have anything to spend them on, mm-hmm. um, because their stratagems were mostly fairly lackluster. Yes. Um, and now that you have a lot of good stratagems, Mind Raid becomes more valuable, because, like, you're actually going to want to spend those 12 or 15 or 20 command points. Yep. Yes. No, I, I agree. It's that's why that's why things like the repulsor triple repulsor Gilliman list were didn't require any CP. Like they didn't care. Yeah, because there was just nothing to use it on. It was just all Gilliman. You, could, like, you, you couldn't even you double couldn't... fight with Gilliman. So it's like, yep. yeah, well, who cares? A- anyways, uh, finally, the litanies of battle for the chaplains I think are really really powerful, um, especially depending on how people want to use them. Uh, there is the plus one. You add one to the model's attack. And damage of melee weapons, strength uh, oh, and attacks. That's strength only for the attacks, chaplain. I'm yeah. sorry, never mind. That's not that. Good. Yeah, it's just for him. But I mean, whatever. Yeah, uh, the big one I think is the Canticles of Hate, which is the add two to charge rolls made for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and a six inch pile and consolidate. Right, but but it doesn't. I believe it doesn't stack with any other bonuses. So no, just that. But, but it, that's fine. It's still seven inch charges coming out of draw pods turn one. Yeah, so that makes no. that makes Black Templars potentially a very reliable charge out of Deep Strike, uh, which makes them like actually not terrible. Yes. Um, like there is yeah. some some potential uh, useful stuff in just like you know having those kind of like not even necessarily turn one, um, maybe even on later turns, just like bringing in a drop pod full of dangerous guys and being like, okay, you know time to, you know, eat all of these power fist attacks I've got coming at ya. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. 
<clears throat> uh, and then the the cool thing is this chaplain cash from the ultramarines gets to choose two of these. Um, but there's one that gives you add one to your wound roll. Um, as long as you're shooting the closest model, yep. the closest mo- unit, closest visible enemy unit to that model, mm-hmm. um, which is which is actually really good. Especially if you've got snipers, um, then you're adding one to wound roll just by shooting the closest thing yeah. to the snipers, which is which is great for snipers because they just want to do mortal wounds. They don't care about the what they're shooting at necessarily. Well, I mean, sometimes. But like, if you have like a knight or something that you're trying right. to drag down, um, <clears throat> that ends up being surprisingly powerful because you can, you know, now you're doing those mortal wounds on fives, you're getting some re-rolls. Um, yeah, if you have Storm of Fire, they're AP1, so yeah. the knight has a four-up save against your bolters instead of... Uh, you don't get the re-roll wound rolls anymore, like you said, but... Um, I mean, you can still get a lieutenant or whatever. Yeah, or, yep. yep, re-roll ones to hit. Or if you no, never mind. No lamenters. <laughs> Not a he's a no. blood angel. I thought he was yeah. a successor chapter of one of these cool chapters. Well, some people used to play him as that, uh, and then it, that was that yeah, that was one of the way. That was how it used to be. Uh, they yeah. kind of flip flopped on that one. There's also the plus one to hit uh, with shooting uh, the litany of focus. Yes, uh, which is another one. Like space marines have a surprising number of ways to get plus ones to hit these days. Um, yeah, and, and that one's very really, interesting. That one can be really, really good with Imperial Fists. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. that is something you will see pretty on the reg is those Imperial Fist Centurions getting plus one to hit and spouting out bolter drills yes. and just sort of going to town. Yeah. Yeah. I'm <laughs> yeah. super I'm super excited. <laughs> I just bought a bunch of Imperial Fists, so um Yeah. Alright, and that is yeah. it. That is the whole Space Marine Codex. Um, Do we want to talk about the new units, or are we going to wait till some other week? Um, I don't. I don't really have much to say on the new units. Uh, you guys can talk about them if you want. Um, no, I'm not particular. <laughs> I'm not particularly like sold on the, any of them. Uh, I guess there's a list where you where we, that's what we were talking about where you bring like twelve of the dreadnought, and then you just shove them in your opponent's face, and you're like, ah, you they can't deal with them all. Yeah, Mitch Pelham was uh, already kind of. Fiddling with that concept of you know like three space wolf ones, three dark angel ones, <laughs> three blood three blood angel ones, and like three uh, like iron hands ones, and just being like, here you go. Yeah, but I don't, I'm not sure if that's that's already more detachments than than you could take. Well, well, I guess no. no you could probably I, do nine. Started, yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, I, I'm not particularly fond of any of the new units personally. But I, I can't. I wait think for the, the kids new weapon options are more are going to mm-hmm. valuable. The the new like baby dreadnought potentially good. It will. I think it remains to be seen exactly how good it is, but it has some potential. But the the alternate weapon options for the other Primaris units, I think, add a lot of value to that. I agree. Yeah, the Eliminators being able to shoot Thunderhammers is pretty neat, yeah. uh, whether like you you take that over the Mortal Wounds, especially now that their Strength 5 is a another story, but, I mean, you can't go wrong shooting Thunderhammers for 33 points. Well, and no. it, most importantly, it gives Primaris a long-range anti-tank gun, which they completely yeah. lacked before. Yes. Uh, That's AP-4, the first round of shoots. Right? Yeah. So... Um, there's, I think there is a, a potentially a, a pretty solid Primaris shooting army out there. Yeah. The Eliminators are also, um, I think if you give the Sergeant, the instigator bolt carbine, whatever it's called, um, Mm. for two more points, they're normally 72 points. Uh, but for two or three more points, 
you give the sergeant that gun, they can move after they fire Overwatch. Yeah. Which is crazy. It's, it's it kind of makes them like infiltrators. Um, it doesn't make you completely immune to charges like infiltrators do. Um, but you do still essentially get a 12 inch bubble ish, uh, depending on, on when your opponent, where your opponent comes down and move after movements and all that. Um, so it's still really good. And they're also cheaper for 72 points. Uh, they're a little harder to kill the infiltrators in cover. Um, they're cheaper. They can kill characters. Uh, and they, when they retreat back, they're still, they're not useless when they retreat back. They could still keep shooting whatever they want to shoot at. Yep, mm-hmm. I like them. I like good. eliminators. I I still like infiltrators. I think I, that uh, yeah, I there's think a place still, for them for sure. Yeah, yep. I, uh, most of the Primaris Marine units, um, I would say, bar Reavers, seem to have brought into ha- been brought into the realm of viability at this point. Yes, absolutely. All right, uh, that is it for the Space Marine coverage. If you have any more questions, or if you want to hear these lovely dudes talk, Sean, where can they find you? Uh, we have our other podcast, In the Finest Hour, uh, which you can find us on pretty much any of the podcast apps. We're you know, kind of spread across all of them, and we have a Facebook page and whatnot that you can take a look at as well. Right on. And then Peter? Um, you can find me at uh, 40kstats.com. I've been uploading data pretty much daily of late, trying to catch up on some stuff. And uh, also 40k Stat Center with uh, our boy Val Heffelfinger. Uh, this week we're going to be covering uh, pretty in-depth ETC. We've got some really good uh, footage and um, and clips from Team Australia, Team USA, maybe a couple other teams we don't know about yet, um, and also the you know all the three or four events that uh, took place over the weekend. And if you haven't caught it yet, last week we uploaded super late because uh, Val was a bit of a deadbeat dad to me. Um, and, uh, you know, slept a little too much, but we did have a a very special guest host, Mr. Uh, Pablo the Rhino Martinez, and he did a wicked job of covering for Val, um, in his, uh, ragged state. Yeah. Um, all right. Now, uh, at the end of every episode, we like to top, talk about the, um, we like to give the open the questions over to the patrons over on the Facebook group. So if you want to ask us questions at, at the end of every show, in addition to have a community where we talk lists and strategy, uh, join us at patreon.com slash chapter tactics. Uh, the first patron patron question is from Mr. Kane. Uh, what country will Brown magic win with next year? Uh, I'm going to shoot that over to Peter. Um, I'm going to go with Luxembourg. Uh, that is uh, the, I believe, the uh, host country next year for ETC. So it only makes sense uh, that uh, that's where he would uh, murk himself uh, next year. I'm going to say Moon Empire. Uh, I hear they're sending a mm-hmm. really strong team down in a lander this, this coming year. Um, mm-hmm. So I feel like Nick is going to try for something a little bit different, something unexpected. <laughs> Mostly gorillas, that Moon Empire, though. Uh, bears, actually, since they took it over. Uh, the gorillas are kind of on the wane at this point. Shucks. All right. Um, Casey wants to know, what is your favorite vampire clan in Vampire the Masquerade? Um, I have never played Vampire the Masquerade. I have no interest. In <gasps> However, my <sighs> wife is obsessed with Vampire the Masquerade, and so I do have a favorite. Those are the Toreador? Toreador? Toreadors. Yeah. Yeah, the yeah, they're like these artists hedonist types who like go out into the world and and they're like, "Oh, humans actually aren't so bad. They can actually be kind of cool sometimes." 
right? That's how I kind of understood them. Um, uh, so, the humans can be kind of delicious sometimes. Is also is that how I would too. Describe them. I, I I like them because they're like they they strike me as like the most aristocratic like vampire oh. from like no 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 oh uh, Ventru. No, that's the, the Ventru are the, the aristocrats. aristocrats. Uh, they those, literally oh, yeah. are the aristocrats. Oh, literally both the, the the you know in the role wise and in the joke wise sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, although if I were a vampire, of the masquerade clan, I'd probably be a Nosferatu. How <laughs> ugly I am. <laughs> Anyways, Good old Nosferatu. That's, that's how. That's all I. That's all I know about Vampire the Masquerade. Uh, uh, Monty. Patron Monty wants to know, do you think that the fluffier, more powerful versions of chapter tactics will eventually be something that other books will see, or do you think this will be limited to Space Marines? He's talking about the oh, and plus the pick-and-choose version of Successors. Um, I don't think that other codexes are going to get the improved chapter tactics treatment, uh, and that's simply because uh, Space Marine Codex's chapter tactics before previously were so underpowered and so different from all the others because they couldn't let vehicles couldn't have them um and they were they were just underwhelming often um so i don't know i don't think we will not not that i don't think certain armies deserve better chapter tactics um i just don't think gw will do that Mm. yeah they're not going to do it because it's a lot of work and those armies aren't space marines um (laughs) they they don't really care about those other armies all that much it's Anyways, moving on, uh, Patron Peter wants to know, does it look like White Scars will be competitive again? Are the Biker Smash Captains a thing again? Peter? Um, without seeing the rest of the supplements, I mean, there's there's definite play with White Scars. They can do some pretty good stuff. Um, I think there is a very competitive White Scars build right this minute, but like Pablo said, kind of opening up the show, um, in two months... If, uh, you know, Crimson Fist Supplement or Salamander Supplement comes out and Vulcanistan is, like, an absolute, like, um, murder boner of a character, um, then you just won't, you won't see them anymore. So, that's kind of the unfortunate part about where we're sitting right now. Um, they're super fast. Being able to fall back and charge is uh, really good. Um, it makes certain units uh, that you would never consider before, like, you, you can kind of look at them sideways and be like, well, now I can give it a 3d6 <laughs> charge. That's not bad. Um, and Centurion's dropping, you know, like 20 or 30 points assault ones. No one's going to expect that Spanish Inquisition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, there's almost certainly something there. Um, I don't think it's going to be biker captains, but there's going to be something. Yep. Yeah, I think you're going to look like jump packs. I mean, maybe. The the con on a bike's actually pretty good. Um, and Corsaro Con's pretty solid if you can get him across the board. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, Chris uh, wants to know, there seems to be a lot of strats for all the different chapters. Is this going to overcome the general problem with power armor and the competitive game? Uh, yes and no. Uh, yes, first Codex Space Marines. No, because the general problem with power armor is still Grey Knights, uh, Blood Angels, Space Wolves, Dark Angels. Um, those guys still didn't get a whole lot of love, or any love. Um, so, so yes, forced Codex Space Marines, but no for the general power armor problem. What do you guys think? I think that's basically yeah. on point. Um, we're probably going to see updates of some kind for the other Space Marine books. Um, we know that there is a updated 
Grey Knight like re-release codex in the works that will happen at some point, uh, although they haven't made any official announcements about it beyond the the one at LVO. Um, but power armor in general, like it hasn't really been changed all that much. The plus one attack will help a little bit, but it's not going to fundamentally change what the issue is. Yeah, no, it's this game is extremely killy, and you know, power armor pays to be slightly less killy than everything else. Um, and that only pays off against very specific builds. And most builds, especially now after like the Castlin change, are, are just so heavy into leaf blowers with like Caladius Grav tanks and Crash Crusaders. Um, that it's just not gonna, it's not gonna, that's not gonna change. Yeah. Space Marines will get good because they, they got like a absolutely ridiculous codex that in any other, co- uh, I think, uh, races hands, like if this was like an Eldar codex, like people would be screaming. Someone <laughs> would have set themselves on fire outside of the G- uh, outside of like GW home base, mm-hmm. literally as soon as it happened, because they would be so broken with the uh, and and it would just be another in a long line. But anyway, yep. that's that's my little rant on it. Is like it's a very good codex. Luckily, power armor is bad enough that it's it's giving it enough of a boost that it's not going to just destroy the game. Mm-hmm. It's just going to make it very Space Marine full for a while. Yep. Uh, Shannon wants to know, will we see a return of Predators and Whirlwinds now that they have an additional minus one AP for a turn or more? You know, they got better, but I don't think we're going to see Whirlwinds still. Yeah, the um, Whirlwind is still kind of trashy just because, like, what it does is not really exciting. You it's may... only 2d6 shots. It, I mean, 2d6 shots is not terrible. Um, not and it is there. cheap. Um, That's but... true. What it does is not really all that important to a Space Marine book, and you also have the Thunderfire Cannon, which has a lot more utility. So yeah. I don't think yeah. the Whirlwind is going to come back, I, except I, maybe as like a one-off in some lists. I, I do like the Whirlwind Scorpius, the Forge-Old one. That one got a ton of buffs. Yeah, um, it's shoot three times. It's AP3. shoot three times is great, but it's still just as easy to kill, and it's still expensive. That's true. Yeah, the, it is very the, expensive. Um, yeah, uh, but I think the predator now that it has it's getting more of the bonuses is potentially going to see some use again. Um, yes, it it hits pretty hard, especially with that extra minus one AP. If you just kind of like stick on that, um, it benefits a lot from salamander chapter tactics and to lesser degrees some of the others. Um, and even though you did lose kill shot, kill shot was kind of an unreliable gimmick. Anyways, you weren't you were you weren't usually going to have it past turn one in a best case scenario. Yeah, um, and it went down in points. So yeah, because it, it, it went down like like five, right? Yeah, it wasn't a lot, but it went down a little bit. And um, you know, there are several loadouts that are reasonably cheap. Um, so I think predators are potentially an option dependent on other factors in the space marine list yes all right uh maki wants to know what's my favorite part about serbia uh easy the etc Hmm. i don't know anything about serbia enough to answer that question on the fly you did your best now what what about you peter what's your favorite part about serbia Mm, that is a good question I, i would actually say um uh, Belgrade. My wife went there a couple of years back, and uh, she said it was uh, actually quite beautiful. So, I didn't get to go, but I hear good things. Mm, you're so worldly. You got that spot on. My wife is worldly. I'm just a guy. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, uh, and then finally, Forrest came in 
with a comment they just put in a minute ago. The final hours. Yeah, last minute. Wants to know, do you think the new Marines will be Inari levels of broken? I am concerned they will be. I've already got an opinion on this, but I want to hear your both of your opinions. I don't think there'll be Yanari levels of broken. Um, barring some very poor choices with regards to the FAQs in Errata, uh, because there are a couple of little things in there that's like, well, that probably needs to be fixed, or maybe they need to backtrack on that. Um, but barring that, I don't think they will be Yanari levels of powerful. Um, for one, there's, there's too many ways to build against Marines. Uh, whereas Yanari's gimmick was very hard to build against. Um, but they are going to be extremely strong, and like we kind of mentioned at the top of the show, like lots of people have Space Marine armies, lots of people play Space Marines, and we can expect the other Space Marine books to get some little like buffs and whatnot in the near future here as well. So expect to see a lot of Space Marines way more than you ever saw of Yanari. Uh, maybe yeah. not as powerful, oh, yeah. but certainly, like you're gonna get sick of playing Space Marines four out of five rounds. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised. I'm calling thirty percent of lists. That's my oh, that my low? go-to. No higher. Yeah, than that. because of no because of knights. Uh, Imperial knights are still so loved, and they make up twenty five percent. So I'm you going can't with thirty. Oh no. Well, uh, so I guess uh, I think. Yeah, I'm gonna say go ahead, go close ahead. to fifty percent of all lists yep. will have Space Marines in them. Yeah. Um, maybe not all of them are going to be pure space marines, but it, it's going to get stupid. Because that's where they were in 7th edition. In, in 7th edition, when the Battle Company came out, yeah. space marines were easily the most popular army at the LVO and other tournaments. And I know I'm not the Falcon. I, I didn't have crazy stats like we do now. Um, but back then, when I did my minimal stats covers that I needed to, um, space marines were making up 50% of the field easily. And um, I, I would definitely see that, predict that again. De- maybe not 50% now, but they will be, if not 50%, the highest percentage faction. Oh, I, I'm going to say they're the highest. Absolutely. I mean, Knights right now are the highest at 20. Um, and that's why with the popularity of Knights, there's a popularity to Renegade Knights that just came out. Mm-hmm. I'm calling 30. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if it goes to 40. I think 50 is a little high, but, you know, we haven't seen the rest of the supplements. If uh, the rumored, like, Iron Hands or Salamanders uh, supplement comes out, and it's absolutely just friggin' bonkers, and, like, everybody has, uh, you know, Assault 8 uh, Storm Bolters, uh, then, yeah, sure, uh, everybody will run that, and that'll be a thing, but... Based off what we have right now, I'm thinking 30, I'll give up to 40% uh, of lists will be um, Marine-like, not counting, you know, your Space Wolves, Dark Angels, uh, the, the garbage Marines. I was, I was counting just, like, all codex. The, the other Marines in there oh, as well. Sorry, no, I'm just talking pure Codex Marines. Uh, the the other ones, the, the, the not good ones now, um, <laughs> they will... They will stay where they are. So many Space Wolf players just threw their tankard across the room, grabbed (laughs) the battle axe, and ran out the door. Oh, yeah. Well, like, there was a Grey Knight player that just, like, uh, nodded their head and uh, cried a little more into their coffee pot. So uh it balances it. I will will let you guys in on a little diabolic plan that we're planning. So um, we're going to open up. So the the LVO registration is already at, like, 800 plus, some ridiculous number. We're going to open up another 300 slots. To just Space Marine players, make the tickets cheaper, but you can only apply if you have one or two games played in the ITC and you went 0-5 in those games. Mm. 
Aww, and then I, I thought you were going like, to say I can get you the list. <laughs> it'll I thought be, you were going to say you can only apply if you you know are go- agree to be part of the Space Marine yeah. tournament where we shuffle every Space Marine player into their own event and they just <laughs> fight amongst yeah. themselves. That's thirty k. Yeah, we've already got that, Sean. <laughs> I mean, th- th- yeah, but there's going to be two events. Like, you think they're You're only right. going to have one Space oh, you... Marine exclusive <laughs> event? Of course not. You're right. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah, uh, but it'll be like the the jets who who shove the trout into the lake to stock it up. But mm-hmm. instead of uh, instead of trout, it's like bass, and they're all hungry. And then every time you catch a bass, you get a tournament win. <laughs> And you get to use dynamite instead of fishing rods. Anyways, the, joking aside, that's clearly not going to happen. Don't start buying your LVO ticket now, expecting to get that. But um, You heard I, it here, don't buy an LVO <laughs> ticket. Pablo said it himself. Damn it! Speaking of LVO <laughs> and Frontline Gaming, go to FrontlineGaming.org, support us, and head on over to the Patreon if you enjoyed the episode. And I think that's it, everyone. Have a good one. You're the best listeners in the world. Bye-bye.